0: Welcome, everybody, to the Big Apple Hockey Podcast. I can't believe that's actually the first time I've had to say that. So uh, I, I'm i delighted that I didn't stutter and say all things Rangers. But welcome in. Uh, we have a tremendous show for you guys. We already had a big show, and we just keep getting more news just dumped on top of us. I am, of course, your host, Mark Williams. And I have the two men in the think tank right next to me, Mr. John Philkowski.
1: Yeah, big week in hockey lately. Um, A lot of stuff to talk about, a lot of Ranger stuff to talk about. Um, Jeff Gorton with that interview, we'll we'll go over that in a little bit. And uh, a whole bunch of other stuff across the league.
0: And you think it would be all silent, which it is for the most part, uh, across the river on Long Island, but that's why we have Mr. Anthony LaRocco.
2: What do you guys think is more difficult to get? Um, the nuclear codes from the President of the United States are what Lou Lamorella has planned. Um, I, I, I honestly think it's Lou.
0: <laughs> well, Lou keeps plenty of secrets, and I'm pretty sure if you gave Biden some ice cream, you can get the nuclear codes. <laughs> so, um, first off, by the way, it's, it's great to already see two likes on the show. And uh, welcome to MJ Flexes. Yeah, I mean, Jesus. we uh, There is so much to talk about today, and... Uh, we're going to start with with kind of its breaking news, and here it is.
2: Like when the when the whole Wilson Panarin situation yeah. like goes down, did you know like ownership was going to flip out and this is going to turn into what no. it did turn into? No,
3: no, I, I didn't know it was going to turn into that. I mean, uh, I you know that it surprised me that it turned into what it turned into. I mean, obviously, I lost my job. It probably has to be more than that. I don't really know, but it has to be more than that. It can't be one thing that we, you know, J- you can't tell me JD who loves toughness didn't know we weren't tough. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, you know, so, you, you know, I can tell you that all the meetings we had, we talked with David Quinn about everybody about getting tougher over time here, but we also needed some of these young guys are playing for us to, to, to have to deal with adversity, play through some of this stuff, see how they did with it too. You know, it, obviously it didn't go well and, and you know Wilson should have you know been suspended he, he eventually you know whatever but it yeah I didn't think you know that that night was going to be what it turned into that were people going to lose their jobs and, and and uh you know it's going to be forever forever for, uh remembered as what it is right
2: who wrote the press release like was that was that written by like was that yeah, from that's,
3: ownership? that's PR yeah yeah that's PR with the owner
2: so did that did that rock you a little bit? Like, were you like trying to separate yourself from what was said public? I mean, because the, yeah. the people who don't no, know, I they're remember... basically saying George Peros is unfit for yeah. the job and <laughs> shouldn't know. work with Department of Player Safety. Yeah. Like, when you read that for the first time in JD, were you guys like, what, what? the hell is this? Yeah,
3: yeah, I think that's fair to say. When we, You might have seen it the first time I did.
0: All right, so there's a lot to unpack from that sentence. And by the way, um, I'm going to turn it over to John, but I'm going to say this first. George Paris is unfit for director of player safety. John, moving over to you.
1: I re reaffirms everything that we were mostly speculating stuff that a lot of stuff that I said, um, talked about how, like if there was a better, like if the, there's another part of that interview in which they talk about Tony D'Angelo and he talks about how he was like, well liked around, you know, by the teammates and, you know, and Jeff, offers some praise for him said that he had to kind of corral him in ways and then you know goes on to mention that they didn't have enough veteran leadership on the group to corral someone like him and talks about you know obviously there he's talking about the toughness another thing that they lacked but you know from what he's saying they they tried to address that and they they couldn't for whatever reason I, I, I think that I, I think that ultimately there's a lot more to this than meets the eye. I, I definitely think that Glenn Sather after here, after like hearing this Glenn Sather definitely had some sort of pull in this because it, it just seems like a lot of stuff that say was probably whispering into Dolan's ear, because you, we all know that Dolan really doesn't know hockey at all. Like he, he barely knows basketball and he's more involved with the Knicks than anything. So for, for me, it tells me that Sather was probably at the helm, whispering in his ear, telling him a whole bunch of things. And I, I think there's going to be more and more that will come out over time. I, I want to see what John Davidson has to say about all this now.
0: Now John Davidson has to make a statement. Um, and I, I, I'm pretty sure he doesn't want to. And I'm pretty sure he doesn't want to say anything bad about the Rangers and the organization. He just wants to be thankful he have the opportunity to be back. Even if he's – because John Davidson – Bleeds blue. That's that's what he does. I mean, he literally bleeds blue. I mean, he was uh, when he wasn't a ranger, he was a blue, and he was the the, the head, president of the Blues, the president of the Blue Jackets, and the president of the Rangers, and now he's back to the Blue Jackets again. So, all right, let's just unpack a, a couple of things through that question. They think it's just the Tom Wilson incident, and if that's the case, this is the most tone deaf response since. Um, I could, I'm not going to wax into politics on, on something like that. This is where, by the way, when I ask Anthony in a second, a good question about this, um, the, uh, this, this is where it's just, did you guys not see the Islander games where you were getting muscled out of the building where you had a chance to make the playoffs? You got outscored 13 to one in three games and, uh Matt Martin destroys Jacob Truba, and there is no response from the team. So let's start with that. Um, then you also had the Boston Bruins that would that would manhandle them. You had a bunch of teams that were doing this. And did this team need to get tougher? Did the players get need to get a little bit more experience? Yes, but don't say it's just Tom Wilson. Tom Wilson was a dirty piece of crap that needed to be suspended by the league for what he was doing i mean so anthony let me get your opinion before we go back to john aren't you glad that uh you have lou Lamarole and there's no information coming out
2: uh yeah i mean that that uh, we'll never we'll never see anybody like big lou again um he's 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 one of a kind but uh will you know we'll talk about more of that later when we get to the the mayfield islander segment but um I mean this. uh, This first off, it just reaffirms all of us kind of said when it happened was that JD and Gordon clearly tried to distance themselves from that statement. The the moment it came out, it was clear that it was put out by ownership, and they were did not back it whatsoever. Gordon confirmed that. Um, But you know, yeah, Mark, you laid it out perfectly. You know, the Rangers got manhandled by the tougher teams. The Bruins always play and always have for the last what ten years plus. They've always played with a, a heavy brand of hockey um, the Flyers you know they they they're a heavier team obviously the Islanders knocked the Rangers around we saw how it happened with the capitals game so the Rangers needed to get toughness for sure there was there was no question about that but um, he's right about when he said that no one thought that this that game would have turned into all this it was it was really crazy to see the, the domino effect instantly after that game how everything went down I, I never seen like an outcome of a hockey game caused that much shifting around in an organization um in quite some time if if ever so um you know everything he said is right I, I I still stand by I don't I don't think he had to be removed but I guess you know that that game was was Dolan had it on his mind where probably wasn't any changing it that he was going to make a move here after seeing that and that's what ultimately happened but um, you know, the Rangers, in terms of what actually happened on the ice, they, they went a long way in, in remedying that. I mean, you got Barkley Goudreau, who's a you know a solid third, fourth-line player. Um, you know, probably won't contribute too much offense, but in every other facet of the game, he's going to be a big positive for them. Um, and then, you know, Ryan Reeves, who, you know, can throw hands with the best of them. Um, so, they they did the job there, and that's not even counting Jared Tenorti and Nemeth, who I really don't think are particularly good, but they play, they play a tough physical brand of hockey, too. So the Rangers went all in there, and, and we'll see how it pays off for them. But as for this whole dilemma, um, I'm not surprised, really, with what anything Gordon said, personally, because I think we already knew a lot of it.
1: John? Just kind of a continuation of what I was saying before, really. I know it sounds repetitive, but... I, I I said that this went back to the Carolina series. The minute that Brady Shea hit Jesper Faust and took him out of that series, the Rangers were just absolutely – they were shell-shocked. And ever since that moment, this team has looked completely different. They, they, they The way that they've played, they're, they're just too – they were too skill-based. Um, they needed the balance. Uh, I like the Goudreau signing – I mean, sure, the contract isn't ideal, but you had to get those guys. And and what Tony said, like I said, or I'm sorry, what J. Uh, Gorton said about the Tony situation and how you know I I said that that a better leadership group and a, and a better coach would have mitigated that situation and stopped it from escalating to the point that it did. It, it rings true, and Gorton basically reaffirmed that almost verbatim, almost verbatim. So for, for me, I mean, they, they made the right moves. Uh, uh, Mine is Pavel Bush damage. Pavel Bush damage was not a move that I, I'm really a fan of. I've said that several times. I'm not going to beat the dead horse there. But you needed a guy in this locker room like Ryan Reeves. And everybody talks about the fisticuffs and hitting and everything like that. But Ryan Reeves brings a swagger to this team that this team lacked. He brings a locker room presence to this team that this team lacked. And Gorton even mentioned that. So you, you need, you need these types of guys in your locker room. You need a good drill. You need somebody who's got two, two cups under his belt, you know, and has the experience, knows what it takes to win, knows what it takes to, to, to play against the big boys in the league. You know, you got to put your big boy pants on and play teams like the Islanders, the Bruins, the Penguins, guys that teams that are going to bring a more physical game come playoff time or, you know, down the stretch, you need guys like that. And they made, they made good moves. Um, Again, like I said, it, it, the, the young kids are really the crux of this team now. And now your your wild cards are, can Lafreniere, Kako, and Kravtsov replace the production that you lost with Pavel Buchnevich? Because this team, if you put Chris Kreider on that third line, is more balanced. So now it, it, it comes down to, can those guys take that next step? If those kids take that next step this year, then I think this team is a playoff team. But... They there absolutely needed to be a culture change. Like in Calgary, you were talking about a, a culture change and a culture problem and how supposedly Goudreau and Monaghan were like at the forefront of that. There was a culture problem in this locker room. There was a lack of leadership. There was a lack of balls, cojones, whatever you want to you want to ever call it, marbles, huevos, if you want to go major league in Serrano, you know, dancing down the first baseline at Tanaka. But they they needed a change. And It came earlier than most probably would have wanted it, but these moves would have had to happen sooner or later. And everything Gorton said reaffirmed all this.
0: Well, the first person I'm going to direct a quote of theirs to was, again, to Mr. Filkowski on our second broadcast we've had together, that it was a shot across the bow, the Tony D'Angelo incident, on the leadership. And as you just said, so again, I have to give you credit on that. And I didn't personally see it right away. That being said, I mean, it wasn't just Tom Wilson. No. This wasn't a Tom Wilson thing. I mean, Tom Wilson was just the end. That was where the cherry on top came in. And when afterwards you realize the retribution had to be a fight with Brendan Smith. I mean, he might as well just fight me. And my, my fighting moves, if you go uh, up and low kick and low punch, I turtle and scream, stop, I'm a hemophiliac so it's <laughs> like come on it's 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 just no it it this this wasn't the toughness you needed with this team and and it was it's it's i'm not saying it firing Gordon was the answer because obviously i do think quinn firing quinn was the answer um but it, it, yeah quinn had to the go they needed to redo their their roster Gordon could have stayed and and done all the moves Drury did. uh the only i mean Buchnevich, I still think it was going to happen. It was inevitable. So just w- why not? But I mean, getting Sammy Blaze, that's going to help. We didn't mention his name yet. We always talk about Reeves and Goudreau. But um, that's a guy. Sammy Blaze is the guy that nearly knocked out the um, the former captain of the team in the Stanley Cup finals in the opening minute of a game. So um, there. But, but as far as the Gorton comments go, it's. Uh, I didn't exactly want to see him go and I'm just saying, all right, we're moving ahead. This is what the decision was, but I, I mean, y- you didn't see that. <laughs> oh, I, I just think it's so tone deaf in the way he's saying it. Um, And you know what? And you know something you were talking about this and we're going to move on to the next segment in a second, but what it means to be a New York Ranger and what it means um. To carry yourself as a new york ranger we had a reminder about that so what do you guys think about what gorton said throw it down in the comments below and of course like share and subscribe so we are gonna move to um again the news of the week that came down uh first it was henry glundquist on uh friday afternoon that he retired from the NHL after 15 years. We have a whole video about this. We're just going to touch on that with a minute uh, for just about a minute. But one quist recorded 20 wins or more for 13 consecutive, uh, his first 13 seasons. I mean, that's, and those numbers are ungodly. Look at those. An, an, almost a 92% save percentage for 13 years. He won 2012, the 2012 buzz trophy. And it was he a hard finalist
1: out. that year too.
0: Yeah, and a matter of fact, I still think he should have won it. But I mean, I think it was uh, it was Malkin that won it. So you got to say, he stepped up. <laughs> One hundred and thirty playoff games, the most of any New York Ranger all time, for uh, from twenty twelve to twenty fifteen. Thirty nine playoff wins, a ninety three percent save percentage, and a two hundred five goals against. And people think he sucks. Anyway. So I'm going to say this right now because I have my own quote ready to go. Henrik Lundqvist represented the New York Rangers in the best way every single day of his career. And I'm going to bring that quote back in a minute for another man. But, John, John, just a quick thought on on, on everything I just said with that.
1: The accuracy is uncanny. I mean, you hit it on the head of the nail. I mean, I said it on the video. There there are three men that I could think of as Mr. Ranger, although one of them already really has the title. More on him in a second. Yeah, we'll talk about him in a second, but Henrik Lundqvist is one of those guys. Um, The best goaltender of a generation, undoubtedly. The epitome of goaltending consistency. I mean, I I don't think we've ever seen a run – as great as Lundquist's, uh, with as little help as he's had in front of him, no, no Norris winner, no Norris finalist, no, no Hart winner, no Hart final, uh, one Hart finalist in front of him, and, and that was his, his last year in New York as a backup. So I mean, he really wasn't the starter then anymore. He was kind of like, uh, uh, I guess, the, uh, a platoon at that point, and at best. At best, yeah, with Georgiev, and then Shesterkin came in and took the starting job in the, in, in January. So um, I, I would say that if if Gorton and Seder built a proper team in front of him, or if you put him in Pittsburgh and switch places with someone like Marc-Andre Fleury, Henrik Lundqvist has four or five cups. Undoubtedly. He was... He was an incredible goaltender. There's just not a bad thing you could say about the man. The man was a class act on and off the ice. Um, he he basically was the rebirth of this franchise because the dark days. And all, all three of us remember the Rangers' dark days. I, I know all three of us do. But Henrik Lundqvist and Yarmur Jager were really the rebirth. Henrik Lundqvist took over the reins when Jager left and kept it going. So... Congrats over to
0: you, sure. and, you and then uh, I'll give one more thought and then
2: Yeah, um, you know, kind of said it when we did our video when we retired. Um, even as an Islander fan, you gotta admit that Lundquist was was absolutely fantastic. Um, he was he was the face of the franchise. He was a face of the Rangers organization for pretty much his entire tenure there. Um, you know, he was a he was a class seemed like he was a class act on and off the ice. Um and, you know, he was – when you – when you when it's all said and done, you talk about him as, you know, one of the goalies you got to watch when you were growing up and how people back, you know, back in the day talked about that. I got to see Ken Dryden. You know, we got to see Henrik Lundqvist play. Um, he was always on the elite level. Um, and it's just a sh- – I mean, listen, I'm not going to lie to you. I'm, I'm glad I, I, I haven't seen the Rangers win another cup since 94. But it's a shame that he, didn't, that he didn't add a cup to his resume because that, that's the only thing that was missing. But um, regardless of that, still a Hall of Famer in my book. Um, and again, one of the best goalies to uh, to ever play the game. So kudos on him having a great career. And again, it's just sad that it had to end on you know pretty much not his terms because he was trying to come back and play uh, this season, but his heart just wouldn't let him.
0: So then you take Henrik Lundqvist. You take a guy who is an all-time great. He's a Hall of Famer. Uh, He just doesn't have a cup on his resume. Um, He did numerous charities, mostly with the Garden of Dreams, uh, of course. Uh, Did charities in D.C. for the very brief time that he was there. Um, Sort of like Adam Graves, who is another guy John would say is Mr. Ranger. He'd appear on Late Night with Jimmy Fallon out of nowhere and other late night programs. The guy was named uh, People Magazine's. 50 most beautiful people in his first season in the NHL. And the funny part is he's got a twin brother who they didn't name on there. (laughs) And um, also he got the play against his twin brother, which nobody ever did in the history of the NHL. But there was another guy that did that before him. Uh, A a guy who um, I got a lot more to say for his, um, for my editorial later, but. Uh, And the Rangers lost Rod Gilbert and it was, it happened unfortunately during John's Stream on Sunday night uh, where he was uh, doing his uh, hockey. What ifs, by the way, that'll be a new series of ours more on that later. Um, It's uh, it's just, it's sad because the, the, I only, I don't know if I want to use juxtaposition or similarity that these two men had the life-changing moments in a week um where Gilbert passes away longquist retires i mean if if something happened to brian leach that would be that's that's all the new york rangers records see the brian leach henry going because rod Gilbert,
1: john it's funny because you mentioned brian leach and brian leach is they sam and joe joke around he's literally almost the answer to every trivia question they have on tv it, it, it's insane how many records that guy has. But Roger Bear was Mr. Ranger for a reason. He was called that. That was his nickname, and he earned that title. He was the personification of that organization. He was what it meant to be a New York Ranger. He was a guy who handled himself with the utmost grace and class. He was a, a charitable man who spent a ton of time in the, in the community helping build up hockey, even in urban areas where there was no real attraction to hockey. He was trying to help grow the game there. He was, he was with fans, and he, you would always see him around the garden, and he always had a smile on his face. He was literally I, – I, I don't say this about many people, but he was one of those guys where you could say he was the light that would light up a room. It's sad. And we, we lost a legend. It's, it's a big loss. It really is. And you know what? Father time always wins, but um, you know, Rod was, Rod is, is more to this organization than I, I he means more to this organization than I, I can even put into words. So, I mean, we, we lost, we lost just a tremendous person, player, role model, up, upstanding citizen. Just sad, it really is. Sad, sad day. Anthony. Yeah,
2: yeah, you know, um, he's uh, in my eyes. You know, one question: of the, rain, the greatest Ranger um, to put on the to put on the blue sweater. Um, you know, as you just said, he's, he you know led their team in goals. Um, he was, he was, you know, not. You guys are much more exposed to him than. Than I was as an Islander fan, but every time you did see him on TV, he seemed like a very nice person, um, very happy-go-lucky person. Um, you know, loved loved meeting people and fans, and loved talking about the game. Um, you know, so when you think of you know when you think of play organizations, best players of back in the day, you know, you think of you know guys like, um, you know when you think of the Montreal Canadiens. I, you know, you think Guy LaFleur comes to mind. Jean Beliveau. When you think of the New York Rangers, Roger Bayer comes to mind. And You know, 80 years old, 80, 80 years young, I should say. Um, you know, seemed like for his age, he was still a young man. Uh, it's unfortunate that, you know, he passed. Um, but, you know, uh, he'll live on at the Garden Rafters for eternity. And Ranger fans can always, you know, look up and see his number and think about everything he brought to the organization. But... Um, Mark, before I hit it back to you, I also wanna point out about the passing of Jimmy Hayes. We can't forget about that.
0: that oh, was, we're not uh, gonna forget about that, no.
2: That's that's listen when when anybody passed away, it's a shame. You know, Jil is eighty years old, but Jimmy Hayes thirty one years 31. old. <sighs> it's just absolutely gut wrenching. But yeah, God yeah. bless them
0: both. Um first actually what, let me let me we finish off with Gilbert first. It's just, it's a bit of a, it's a bit of a gut punch going from them announcing Henrik Lundqvist's name is going to go up in the rafters, and the first name that ever went up into the rafters leaves us right after that. It's just, I, it's almost like life has its sense of irony, but it's just, I, you know. The man lit up a room everywhere he went. And you know what, John, you're right. There's a reason why he's called Mr. Ranger. This is a guy that charity functions. If you were standing on a Long Island Railroad uh, platform, you're, um, you're, you would hear his voice. He would be talking about the train safety. It's just, <laughs> he, he was everywhere. I mean, I have friends of mine that went to fantasy camp and he was there. And they have stories that they they, they, they love to tell about that. It's just it's, it's that, that that old saying about, you know, uh, the world lost a bright light and it just seems a little bit dimmer today. That's what the way it feels. Yeah. Uh, final thought on Gilbert. Um, John.
1: Irreplaceable. Just one word that I could think of it's irreplaceable. And
0: we were blessed to have him. Um, I have the quote from him yesterday that I was a big city kid, and I, uh, I lived in Montreal, I went all over the world and all over North America, and it, I really realized New York City is the greatest city in the world, and he treated us like it all the time, and always had a smile on his face even on his worst day. So again, thank you, Rod. Uh, if you have other memories of Roger, bear throw them down in the comments below. Don't forget to, it, it sounds like such as such, such an out of place thing right now, but you got to like share, subscribe. Um, but Anthony's right. We got to talk uh, quickly. We'll do it now. I thought about doing it later, but Jimmy Hayes, 31 years old, former uh, Bruin, former devil, former Panther, brother of mm-hmm. Kevin Hayes
1: blackhawk i think too yeah yeah Yeah,
0: just it's i you guys sent sent that message and the first thought i had is just whoa just treasure every day two young kids wife feel for it yeah it's um
2: and that you know they i'm sure eventually the cause of death will come out but um it's scary when you see someone 31 just you know close to age of us just passed away like and you know it's the thing is it's not like he got into like a you know fatal car accident and whatnot they, they found him at home so that means like something really it was it seems like it was something really unexpected like he just had some sort of you know i mean i don't want to speculate but obviously he had he guess he had some sort of medical disaster or i i don't know it's just scary how someone could just be gone like that and you know, he got a feel for his, like I said, his kids, his, his wife, his his brother. You know, and just reading like on social media, like all NHL players, like you know, talking about him and how how he was like the light. he just talking about Rod Gilbert, he was like the light of the you know, lit up a room and he was the life of the party, just like a really nice guy. And you know, it just it sucks. And you know, thirty um, one's far too young. I know he stopped playing. I think his last year in the NHL was two thousand eighteen, but I think. I think he played in other leagues after that, but um, you know he was on the he was on that missing curfew podcast, and you know it was just just like a couple of days before he died. I, I just heard like a brief segment on it, and it's just crazy how he's not here anymore. And you know, it's a shame. He, yeah, he didn't have probably as long of an NHL career as he would have liked, but you know, it's, it's again, it just it sucks. Um, I think he had a 19, he had a 19 goal year at Florida. I think that was his best year he he had with the Panthers. Um, I always thought he was like
0: a budding superstar that just, just for some reason it just didn't work out. I don't know. Yeah.
2: And then listen, that, that happens sometimes, you know? Um, But you gotta feel, again, you gotta feel for his, his family. And Kevin Hayes put out like a touching tribute to him yesterday on his Instagram. Um, You know, he, I hope he's (laughs) dealing with that and he's going to be all right, but. Um, yeah, tough, tough news in the NHL, the hockey world. Uh, and then those three those three junior players that, that passed away too this this week. Um that's terrible news for the hockey world this week and, and my condolences to the Hayes family, but gone way too soon.
0: John, any thoughts? It's
1: all just so depressing, especially with you know Jimmy, and then the, the three junior kids that passed away, and they all dying so young, and just terrible. It's just it's one tragedy after another. It, it's I, I well, it's horrible. It's just the it, 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 like it's it's one it's just one thing after another, and you're you're never supposed to bury your kids, and I I have I have family members that buried a kid, and they're not the same after it. You just, you never, you never are. And I can't imagine what these, what these families are going through. I really can't. I mean, after seeing some of the things firsthand, it's just it's rough. It really is. It really is rough. So um, my condolences to all, and I, I just hope that you know, these people can all, the Hayes family and then the families and the friends of the the Hayes family and the, and the three kids who passed. I just, I, I hope they can all have decent lives and, and, you know, just kind of, and and recover from this and, and be better. And, Cause it's just, th- this is something that can really knock you down and and keep you down. If you're, if you don't handle it the right way, it just, I, I, I I'm trying to trying to sort this out without sounding wrong. I just, it's, it's tough it, 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 this is something that can it can really 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 warp your mind and yeah I, I think it's there needs to be a lot of attention for you know these families because just it, it's rough losing a kid it really is and I I, I can't I, I can't find the words to, to say how tragic it is it really is so my condolences.
0: Well if, if you're ever going through this, anybody out there always don't be afraid to seek help. That would be the one thing. And it's... I, I haven't gone through it. I've had a friend go through it. Um, and that's where we're just... We're fortunate about those things. Uh, so we're going to try to regroup. And um, uh, get back to talking about hockey. Um, which is what we do. So that's a good thing. um. This We we talked about this before, how you can never really get any information out of the New York Islanders and Big Blue. And uh, just quickly, Anthony, it was Dave Pagnotta that mentioned the story about Scott Mayfield, right?
2: No, Jeremy Jeremy Rutherford, the blues
0: beat writer from The Athletic. All right. See, that's why we have to make sure we get our sources right. And that's why Mark should double check before he opens his mouth. (laughs) Um, So, uh, but... Can Scott Mayfield really be the key for the New York Islanders landing Vladimir Tarasenko, Anthony? Well,
2: we'll start with what Jeremy Rutherford said exactly. He had said that the Blues um, haven't really been linked to any particular defenseman much this offseason, but the one guy that keeps coming up that they have interest in is Scott Mayfield. Now, Scott Mayfield. Uh, has two years left at only $1.45 million. It was a, like a five-year contract that Garcono signed him to um, way back when. And it turned out to be great value because Scott Mayfield under Barry Trotz has really developed into a solid number – in my opinion, a solid number four guy. You know, for a big guy, he could actually move around the ice. You look at that goal he scored in um, game six against Tampa Bay that tied the game where he came in from the blue line and sniped Vasilevsky. Um, so he's not a sludge and, you know, he's very valuable to the Islanders. And this is why I, yeah, I believe Rutherford. I have no reason to doubt him that the blues have interest in him, but I don't see why the Islanders would move Scott Mayfield right now. He's their He's their second pairing, right-handed defenseman. They already need to replace his old partner, Nick Letty on the left side. Um, and a lot of their top defensive prospects, Uh, You know, Robin Salo was was right behind Nils Lundqvist the last couple of years as being one of the better defensemen in the Swedish elite league. He came over um, at the end of his season. You know, he's going to vie to make a spot, but he plays the left side. Um, Samuel Balduk had a a good year for Bridgeport. He was second on the Sound Tigers in scoring. Um, You know, another big defenseman with a good shot. He plays the left side. And Trotz brings guys along slowly with how they brought no adoption along. I can't see them giving Balduk or Salo leady spot on the left side. But the point is if you move Mayfield, yeah, you can move Noah no adoption's probably ready to move up to the second pair right handed defense, but then, you know, you have you need to sign a, a bottom pair defenseman or trade for one and um, sure you examine and guys are still available, you could do it, but I just think moving Mayfield right now when you already lost Letty um, is a, isn't a smart move for the Islanders. Now, on the other side of things, if you want to actually talk about how this trade works, the Blues would love it. I mean, the Blues want to get rid of Tarasenko's $7.5 million price tag. Mayfield only makes $1.45. They save a lot of money, but, you know, Big Lou has got news for them. That Being that Mayfield's contract and the salary going the other way would be so uneven – if the Islanders are giving up a piece like Mayfield, the Blues have to retain salary on Tarasenko. or if they don't, they have to take they have to take a guy like Leo Komarov to, to at least somewhat make it even. Because I can tell you right now, the Islanders are not doing Mayfield for Tarasenko straight up. That's like a net negative of you know one point four five and seven and a half million. That that's like what like five and a half million change they'd be taking on. So it's not so that's not happening. Yeah, could he be a piece in the deal? Sure. Would the blues love it? Sure. Um would I like to have Terrence Senko? I guess, but not at the expense of Scott Mayfield. I again, I don't, I don't think it's the right move for the Islanders. Um,
1: Here's you know, one for I mean, you, Anthony.
2: I, I don't think Nick Blue's going to do it. What's that? Here's one for you.
1: Question: How far off is Bodie Wild?
2: So, Bodie Wild, when he was when he was drafted, um, everybody knew about his offensive ability. Um, he was he's a really really good skating uh, defenseman, shot. Stick handling, all that's good. The question about him has always been his, like his brain, like his smarts. And last year in Bridgeport, um, Balduke took off running, where Wild struggled a little bit. So I think Wild needs definitely more time. Put it this way: at the end of last year's training camp, Trotz thought so highly of Samuel Balduke that he actually kept him around the last two days to be in, you know, to be around the main core, um, while Wild was already back in Bridgeport. So. Um, Wild's probably a little bit further off than Baldue, and I mean it would work. I would love it because if Wild was ready now, he plays the right side, so that would work perfectly. But um, out of Christie, I don't think we'll see Wild at the NHL level until you know next next season at the earliest. But um, yeah, they, but again, it goes back to if they move Mayfield, they need another defenseman to play the right side, and I just don't see Lou doing it. All right, because I gotta agree
0: with you on that. I I I'm kind of going. Wait, now you gotta create another hole, even though you're filling another hole. And I think the Islanders could really use Tarasenko as a center, as a triggerman. I mean, not a centerman. Um, Although I didn't get the word out of my mouth, I didn't need to correct myself. (laughs) So um, here's a question I do have for you: Without Mayfield, is there a package you could realistically see the Islanders putting together for Tarasenko? Well, here's the thing, Tarasenko. It's clear that he ha- one of the reasons he hasn't been
2: traded right now is because his value is at an all-time low. And the Blues don't want to give him away. Um, you know He's coming off multiple shoulder surgeries, hasn't played that much. Teams know that he requested a trade, only go to a few teams. So the Blues don't have much leverage. So with that said, the Blues aren't getting – they're not getting Anthony Beauvillier for Tarasenko. They're not getting Oliver Wallstrom. They're, they're not getting anything like that. I would say the Islanders would maybe be will- – and, again, this is a tricky trade because of salary too. The Blues want to shed. The Islanders can't take too much. So uh, my my guess is that the Islanders could probably put a second on the table, um, which is Colorado's second next year. And then, you know, either a, a middling – like a middling prospect. Um, maybe they part with Simone Holmstrom, which I still think they're going to give a lot more time to. But something like that. The the Blues aren't getting a top-tier asset. Um, Yeah, If the Blues retain a lot of salary, then yeah, the Islanders probably have to give up something valuable. But if the Blues aren't retaining salary, the Blues have to take it on the chin, and they have to take it back a guy like Leo Komarov and Tom to make it work. So, it could be done, but it's getting late. Just like Eichel, it's getting later and later, closer to training camp. I'm starting to believe that Tarasenko is going to remain a Blue. They hope that maybe he restores his play and gets some higher trade value and maybe they revisit it you know early in the season like do was traded in november or you know come the trade deadline but um so i'm not ready to close the book on it yet obviously he could he could be traded at any time to some of these top teams on his list um but it's looking like lou has other priorities right now which might be a left-handed defenseman to replace Nick Letty. but you know we'll see Again, with Lou, you you never know. I mean, this this guy is absolutely ridiculous. How it's almost September and there's been there's been no news. And what was it, a week or two ago when we did the the bar talk segment. I there was will Lou make a move before move Labor, Labor Day? I, I, I said shot. And what is it? Labor <laughs> Day's what two? Labor Day is what, a week and a half away or so, two weeks away.
4: Yeah. I, yeah, I don't.
2: I I don't I don't see it happening, fellas. I don't. I, I, I think Lou is so ridiculous that he actually. Will probably reach out to the I own the Beat Riders and say, "Hey, look, Palmieri, Parise, Tsikas—they're going to be start coming into town in formal skates. Do not report that any of them are on the ice skating." I could I could see it happening because he doesn't want the cat out of the bag.
1: Phil, uh, I'm definitely in the same boat on this. There's no way Scott Mayfield is going into that trade for Vladimir Tarasenko. He just simply doesn't have the value right now. And you you know that's the case because Doug Armstrong had him on the market and then pulled him off the market because of the fact that the offers just weren't good enough. And, I, again, just like Heiko's situation, you, you, you can't really blame teams right now for wanting to give up pennies on the dollar for a player like Tarasenko's situation. Tarasenko, to me, it's even worse. He has less life on his deal with two years. He has a – he has a consistently reoccurring injury that he's had three surgeries on. The, the, the third surgery finally corrected the shoulder. So he's still a wild card there. And it's his shooting so, uh, shoulder. So you don't know how his shot's going to be afterwards. And that's, that's the big part of his game. He's a sniper. He's not really a playmaker. Like, I'm not saying he can't make plays, but he's known for that shot.
4: Mm-hmm.
1: Oh. So, um, if that shoulder is not the same, that's a big problem for whoever acquires him. So he, uh, I mean, there's no vitriol between the two sides like there is in Buffalo with with the Sabers and Eichel. So I, I think Tarasenko is probably going to end up go back going back. He'll probably play this season, and if he plays well, I think you're going to see a team try to make a move for him at the deadline. And if he plays very well, you know Armstrong could get closer to what he's looking for for Tarasenko because he's probably not going to get where he would have gotten for Tarasenko like maybe two years or so ago, you know, looking for that, that type of return. But um, I, I, I agree. I I don't think you're going to see teams offer a lot of top prospects right now and a lot of top end assets, like Anthony was saying. So I I don't see a trade happening. I, I think this is, and the worst part about it is, is like you said, the Islanders They really can't afford to take salary on. They, they, I mean, they have their own guys, and I know they have, you know, about I I think Anthony about eighteen million. Correct me, give or take, with uh, Boychuk going on LTIR. Yeah, yeah. Once Boychuk goes on LTIR, it'd be like eighteen million or so. Still, you you, you've got you've got three major RFAs to deal with. Um, You've got you've got to worry about Matt Barzell's new contract. Um, You've got to worry about other players next year. Uh, it, it would be smart for the Islanders to save space. And not only that, but like you said, they want to they want to try to get a, a top four left-handed defenseman in there to replace Nick Luddy. I don't know if that's really possible at this point unless a trade comes out of the blue. So I, I, I don't know who would really be available. Maybe it's somebody that we just don't see and it ends up happening out of nowhere. But um, there's no way Scott Mayfield is in there because if you lose Scott Mayfield at this point, you're literally down to one pairing, and Noah Dobson. That's Andy it, Green. Yeah. Yeah.
4: yeah, yeah, yeah. You
1: don't want Andy Green playing anywhere close to top four minutes. If he's playing top four minutes, you have a major issue on your hands. So um, he's probably still an okay number six at this point, but you do not want him playing top minutes. But um, no, I, I I'm with you. I, I just I, I don't see how. I don't see how this deal gets done anytime soon. I, I think that a lot's going to have to change for it to happen.
0: Uh, Anthony, you know there's one way this deal could get done. Luke could put a horse's head in uh, Doug Armstrong's bed. <laughs> 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 uh, uh, yeah, maybe. Maybe. All you right. Know. So uh, what do you guys think? Would you trade Scott Mayfield in a deal for Vladimir Tarasenko? Um, is that a, a smart move if the Islanders wanted to do that? Put it all down in the comments below. Leave us a like, share, and subscribe. And as a matter of fact, I haven't even done any of the, uh, the banners. But instead, we're actually going to cut away to a segment we've been trying to do for a while. Um, and It's a top 10 list on hockey's worst breakups. So we got that planned out for you. Special. As soon as John comes back. um. This is even before we get to the Bar Talk segment. We told you we had a huge show for you today. We do, we do. I mean, Anthony might never uh, see the, the, his family again, and he lives with. Them. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's that's how big the show is. That's how big the show is. Derek Broussard oh, to the Flyers.
2: I was just gonna say that. Yeah, breaking a little bit of a breaking news there.
0: Uh,
1: yeah, one, one year. Derek
2: Brassard, one year deal.
1: Yeah, by, um, I don't. I don't think terms are announced yet.
0: Al, right about this one, Rod Gilbert and Walt Frazier, two very similar guys. Yeah,
1: I mean good. Walt Fraser's like Mister Nick. Uh,
2: eight eight hundred and twenty-five thousand
0: for Broussard.
1: That's uh, not bad, but I mean that's that's what you kind of expect.
0: But you yeah. know he's he's gonna chip in on the fourth line, be a good playoff player. That's that's what he does. That's if the if the Flyers can make the playoffs, we'll see about that one. All right, so here's our intro for hockey's worst breakups. The old song, Breaking Up is Hard to Do, is 100% correct. You can almost hear that song right now. But when it comes to the NHL, they have some horrible breakups. Look at Buffalo and Jack Eichel right now. But there's been many, many other ugly breakups. Patrick Waugh in Montreal. Eric Lindros, twice. It's just a fact of life. All relationships come to an end. Whether it's Mark at his prom date, the NHL in Atlanta or the Toronto Maple Leafs and the Stanley Cup. So today, Big Apple Hockey is ranking our worst breakups in NHL history. So welcome, everybody. (laughs) Welcome, everybody, to Hockey's Worst Breakups. We're going to be doing top 10 lists, and uh, look for these also to be edited by yours truly because I truly hate my life and always want to be edited. (laughs) So we're gonna start first, and this one is one of mine. Coming in at number ten, we have Phil Esposito going to the Boston Bruins. Now, Phil Esposito was a great center for the for the Boston Bruins. He would score seventy eight goals in a season, and it would only be eclipsed by Wayne Gretzky in uh, nineteen eighty three. So, Esposito had this illustrious career of the Bruins, Stanley Cup champion. But in the mid-70s, his production started to decline, but Espo didn't want any part of that. So what happened was one night, Don Cherry and Bobby Orr went to his hotel room. And they told him, "Uh, Phil, you want to sit down? You've been traded. And Phil Esposito said, that it must have been 20 minutes of silence and he sat on the edge of the bed the entire time, not saying a word. And finally, he took a breath. You tell me it's New York, I'm jumping out the window. And Don Cherry says, Bobby, open the window. So at that time, the New York Rangers were having a bit of an identity crisis. They were eliminated by the Philadelphia Flyers, and they wanted to get tougher. That kind of sounds familiar. So the Rangers ended up trading for Phil Esposito and, uh, and Carol Vadney, And they sent back Jean Rattel and Brad Park. Uh, a lot of people will tell you that was a mistake, even though Espo would be a contributor to the Rangers making Stanley Cup finals in 1979. But that is our number 10 for the worst breakups of all time. And going to number nine, Mr. Anthony LaRocco will tell us about John Tavares.
2: <laughs> so I was I was a little bullish on this one being on the list because um, for the most part, a lot of these these breakups have been bad blood between the player and the organization, with you know either holdouts or, or bad words exchanged. Um, that didn't happen with John Tavares and the Islanders. That was it's more so between Tavares and the Islander fans. Um, but nonetheless, here he is at number nine. And, and basically, it, it, it worked out like this John Tavares was eligible to sign an extension July 1st, of 2017. He didn't do it. He said, you know, he, he wanted to, you know, take his time. He wasn't in a rush. My, my opinion, hindsight's 2020, but realistically, the Islanders should have just traded him then because that was a red flag um, right there that he wasn't signing on the dotted line the minute he was able to. But the fact is that since that moment, after that, time and time and time and time again in the media, he, he ran his mouth and he said how much he loved it on the island, how he wanted to stay. Um, that's his intention. He loves it here, yada, yada, yada. I know, yeah, what is a player going to say? But you know what? Look at what Artemi Panarin did. Sergei Bobrovsky. What Seth Jones just did with Columbus, said, hey, listen, at the end of the year, when I'm eligible, I'm not resigning with you. If he, That's the route he should have took. He should have just been a man and stepped up and said, hey, look, I'm not really sure about it, um, where I stand, and be honest. And then the Islanders could have traded him. They could have got something for him. But instead, you know, he did the opposite and doubled down on how much he loved it. And that is why Islander fans have so much hate towards him. A lot of fans are like, "Oh, why don't you care. He was a free agent. He had his right." They don't understand that. It's not that he left. It's how he left has been the problem with Islander fans since this all unfolded. Simply, just should have just told the truth. And no matter what you want to believe, you some people say that yeah, which we reported. We've heard that he was close to re-signing with the Islanders, and that he didn't that he didn't start to think about actually leaving until he met with Toronto, and then. You know, he just got swayed by them. But there's also a lot of people, mostly island the fans, that believe that he had his mind made up a long time ago that he wanted to play with Toronto. Um, and that the whole dog and, dog and pony show, LeBron James-esque, how he met with five teams out in California, was just all for show just so, you know, it wasn't completely obvious that he wanted to play for Toronto. I mean, this is a guy that turned down $11 million, uh, so he turned down more money from the San Jose Sharks than that Toronto ended up giving him. I mean, listen, I, I, the ship has sailed. I don't hate him as much as I used to. Um, but all he had to do was just say, tell the truth. Just simply said, I'm not really sure what I'm going to do. And this would have all played out differently. But instead, he, and which is why Islander fans call him the snake, because they believe he deceived them with his words. He talked about how much he loved it the whole time. And he ended up leaving. So, pass in the past, but, I mean, I'm not quite sure we'll see something to this magnitude again with a player leaving and free agency in his words. But, you know, listen, the move worked out for both teams. Islanders had so much success since he's left. The Maple Leafs haven't won a playoff round. Um, so, I hope he's enjoying being at home in Toronto and, you know, not playing after the first round of the playoffs. See you, John.
0: All right, and now, and now, moving back to me for number eight, (laughs) because while we're on the topic of state and just tell the truth, Mike Keenan, the New York Rangers had Mike Keenan coach them for one season, and it was after one of the most disappointing seasons of franchise history. After winning the President's Trophy in 1992, the Rangers would finish dead last in 1993, and then... Mike Keenan showed up. He brought them discipline. He brought them a president's trophy. And you can see the change in the team as they were the number one team in the league for for most of the season, pretty much from November to the very end. So what happens? The Rangers blow out the Islanders in the first round. They blow out the Capitals in the second round. They have a difficult series against the New Jersey Devils, but they move on to the Stanley Cup Finals. And what does Mike Keenan do in the Stanley cup finals? He negotiates with two different teams to move it, to get out of town because he was struggling in a, he was in a power struggle with Neil Smith. No, that's not what you should be doing. The Rangers haven't won a Stanley cup in 54 years. You could put your, 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 your petty squabble away for about two more weeks, but no Keenan had to do that. And as a result, Detroit was fined uh, $25,000. The Blues were fined $50,000 and had to give up Peter Nedved as compensation. So, thank you, Mike. You get you got us a cup, but did you really get us a cup? Because you were you were you already had a foot out the door. So, we're gonna move on now to number seven, Alexa Yashin, and it goes right back to Mr. Anthony Larocco.
2: Well, this was was ugly. Um, Alexei Yashin sat out the entire 1999-2000 season with the Ottawa Senators. The year prior, he had 94 goals. Sorry, 94 points, 44 goals, um, and really established himself as an elite player with the Ottawa Senators. Um, Even the year before that, he scored 33 goals. But he was in the final year of his contract, which was paying him $3.6 million. Alexei Yashin, after having the season he did, he wanted to be paid. He wanted to renegotiate his contract, and he wanted to be paid between 11 and 12 million dollars, um, as per his agent Mark Gandler. Now, Alexa Yashin was firm on that; did not budge. Sat out the whole year. Um, the Ottawa Senators ended up suspending him in November of that season for the rest of the season, and they played without him. Now, Ottawa at the time they couldn't they couldn't pay him that much money. Um, they actually had they actually tried to funding from the province of Ottawa to even come up with that kind of money to pay Alexey Yashin but that wasn't feasible and alexa Yashin was sticking to his guns during the whole year he sat out he was he was skating over in Switzerland practicing with a team um, called the Flyers and back home though he was still refusing to play for them even the following year but the Ottawa centers actually had to take him to arbitration because they believed that he still owed them a year of service so the Arbitrator ruled that Alexei Yashin did indeed owe the Ottawa Senators another year. So after not playing in the 99-2000 season, he ended up coming back begrudgingly and played for Ottawa before he was infamously traded to the New York Islanders for Bill McColt to Daniel Chara and a first-round pick, which turned out to be Jason Spezza. Thanks, Mad Mike, for that one. But um, it's very rare that you see a player who has a contract Sit out for a whole season. Um, Yashin, uh, Michael Pekka are really the, the two latest that have done it. Um, William Nylander missed, what, two two months a couple of years ago, but you don't see it anymore. Um, and with that said, Nylander didn't even have a contract. It's even more rare where you have a guy who actually had a contract for that season and sits out. Um, so it got ugly between Ottawa and Yashin. And I'm actually really surprised that. Um, Yashin even agreed to play for them despite the arbitrating ruling because I'm sure that was really awkward but the marriage ended and Yashin was traded to the New York Islanders um, brought them back to the playoffs for three years in a row after missing it for eight but we all know what the long term effects of that were with the trade with giving up Chara and the rights to Spencer, essentially but that's the story with Yashin in Ottawa and since then um, really I think Pekka was the only guy to do it which was the following year he sat out but it's very rare, and that's the story.
0: And you haven't heard from him yet, but don't worry, he's got some juicy ones ready for you. Going over to Mr. John Fulkowski right now, he will give you number six, Ted Nolan, and the Buffalo Sabres.
1: There's a very interesting dynamic in this breakup because it involves, supposedly, I should say, it's kind of out there. It's not officially confirmed, but. Many people know about it. Um, This involves an affair between a player, his wife, and the coach. So tensions had been extremely high between Buffalo Sabres goaltending legend and all-time great Dominic Hoshik and um, Ted Nolan, the coach. So it got to a point that later in the season in the playoffs – uh, they were facing the Ottawa Senators in 1997. And Hashik did not want to play, supposedly. He claimed that he felt a twinge in his knee and was unfit to play. Um, there are many Sabres fans, even pundits, who doubt that still to this day. And the whole situation basically broke down from there. Um, Hashik and John Muckler who won general manager of the year in 1997 kind of took one side against Ted Nolan and the other. Um, It ended up this whole divorce ended up with not only Nolan being fired, but John Muckler himself being fired and Darcy Regier taking over. So um, Dominic Hoshig did not play uh, for a while against the, the senators in that series. He missed a large chunk of that series Um, And he missed all of the Flyer series. And Steve Shields actually performed brilliantly for the Sabres, but he just was not good enough to beat the Philadelphia Flyers. So it ended up with Ted Nolan. Um, Some say he was blackballed from the NHL because he did not get another head coaching job for another 10 seasons when the Islanders picked him up for a year. And he helped bring the Islanders back to the playoffs for the 2006-2007 season. But um, this is one of the most controversial divorces in all of sports history because of the background on it. And like I said, it, it, it's, it's not confirmed officially, but it's out there and many people know about it. It's a dynamic that makes it all the more interesting. It's a dynamic that makes it all the more controversial And when you have a player of the caliber of Dominic Hoshik and there's something like that going on behind the scenes, yeah, of course, tensions are going to go through the roof. It's it's a wonder that the two of them made it through that season. And it's no wonder that Dominic Hoshik, during an awards ceremony after that season, said it would be better if Ted Nolan was not here anymore. So they offered him a one-year deal and basically just ended up not bringing him back. And that was the end of Ted Nolan in the NHL for a while until, like I said, the Islanders hired him 10 years later. So that brings to end uh, one of the more interesting stories that we'll see on this countdown.
0: Moving on to number five, Eric Lindros and the Nordiques brought to you by Mr. Anthony LaRocco.
2: Oh. This one, Eric Lindros was, pro- at this time, he was really the highest-touted player since coming out of the entry draft since probably Mario Lemieux in 1984. Um, but he was touted as the next one. Um, and he had made it, the controversy started when he made it clear that to the Quebec Nordiques that he would not play for them if he was drafted by them, which was mostly driven by his father. His father did not want him to play in Quebec um, Eric Lindros said later stated that he, he had nothing against the you know the the French area the province but it was more so his dad did not want him to play for Quebec the Quebec Nordiques drafted him anyway first overall in the 1991 NHL draft um, and Lindros did not play in the NHL until 92 93 as he held firm on his stance not playing for the Nordiques um, he was traded and probably aside from the Gretzky trade you would say. Um, the biggest trade in NHL history. I mean, he was traded to the Flyers for, you know, everything in the kitchen sink. I mean, you're talking Chris Simon, Mike Ricci, Kerry Hoffman, Ron Hextall, Duchesne, uh, sorry, Peter Forsberg, Steve Duchesne, two two first-round picks, future considerations, and cash. So, as you can see, it was a really, really, really large return with the Flyers getting Peter Forsberg, who is going to be a Hall of Famer. Um, So, it ended up all right for them, but it was unprecedented. We hadn't seen anything like this, where a guy gets selected first overall, supposed to be the next Gretzky, refuses to play for the Quebec Nordiques organization, um, and it was it was like I said, it, it was ugly. He really held firm on it. I mean, this was almost like a, to some extent, like an Eli Manning situation with the Chargers. You know, it's very rare you see a player get drafted by a team and refuse to play for him. But I, I think overall it worked out for both teams. The Nordiques ended up winning a Stanley Cup as the, as the Colorado Avalanche about five years later. Um, Windross went on to have a good career with the Flyers. Um, so it didn't win a Cup, but I would say it worked out for the most part for all teams involved. But, again, it was just so shocking that you have this guy who's going to be like the next generational player and then refuses to play for the franchise that drafts him. Um, Could have been all avoided if the Nordiques simply – You know, would have just listened to him and not drafted him. But I guess they probably felt that maybe after some coercion and talking to him, they would have changed his mind. But that did not happen. Eric Lindros went on to be a Philadelphia Flyer as well as a New York Ranger, which, um, you know, I think will be recapped a little bit later in this list.
0: Going over to me for number four, it is Mark Messier and the New York Rangers. Mark Messier came to the New York Rangers for one reason and one reason alone, to deliver the Stanley Cup to New York. In his first season, he won the president. Uh, he won the president's trophy or led the Rangers to a president's trophy and won his second Hart Trophy for league MVP in 1994. He delivered on his promise and he won the New York Rangers their first Stanley Cup in 54 years and their only one since 1940. Now, Messier spent an additional three more seasons with the New York Rangers after 94. Obviously, that's what I mean, um, but. Uh, He would score his 500th goal against Rick Tabarachi and really cement his legacy for his Hall of Fame career. And in 1996, Wayne Gretzky signed with the New York Rangers. And the Rangers had a one-two punch and made a deep playoff run. Came up short against the Philadelphia Flyers, losing in five games. And in the final minute of uh, game five, John Davison said negotiations could be a funny thing, and this could be Mark Messier's last shift as a New York Ranger. Little did any Ranger fan know he was right. It was a contentious contract negotiation all the way through with Vancouver and Edmonton trying to woo Messier back to the Pacific Northwest, which eventually Vancouver would do. But the worst was when Dave Checkets came out, sorry, But the worst was when MSG president Dave Checkets came out and said, how long do I have to pay for the 94 cup? Kind of a harsh thing to say. And you know what? Messier said, I'm going to Vancouver. It was, it produced one of the best returns where it was uh, the first time since Eddie Jockerman returning that the fans really wholeheartedly just embraced the away team. Now, Messier would not have a good tenure in Vancouver and would return to the New York Rangers eventually. But that breakup in 1997 really still stings Ranger fans. Moving on to number four, back to Mr. John, oh, sorry, number three. Moving on to number three, back to Mr. John Bukowski, Harold Barrett.
1: Uh, uh,
0: can you say it for me?
1: <laughs> Harold Ballard and Daryl Sittler. Well, I mean, this could be Harold Ballard and the Toronto Maple Leafs because of the years and years that um, he had feuded with different players on the Maple Leafs. Um, the the tensions between the fans and Ballard. I mean, if you, if you talk to almost any Maple Leafs fan, they'll probably say... Three words when it comes to Harold Ballard. Rot in hell. And this all started with a strained relationship between Darryl Sittler and Harold Ballard. And that also included future Ranger head coach Roger Nielsen. So uh, the players were firmly firmly fans of Roger Nielsen. Roger Nielsen was a player's coach. But... Harold Ballard was not the biggest fan of Roger Nielsen. Roger Nielsen had actually had been fired and brought back a couple of times. And due to this, it caused even more strain between Sittler and Ballard. Um, Ballard even ended up hiring uh, Punch Imlach as a general manager in 19... 19- he ended up having Lanny McDonald, who was... Darryl Sittler's best friend and line mate traded uh, because Darryl Sittler was one of the early uh, one of the early pioneers of the NHLPA, along with Alan Eagleson. And basically it comes down to the fact that Ballard was against any type of players union. Sittler was more than outspoken about it and he wanted to get more rights for players. And Sittler was right in doing so. But Ballard, being the Scrooge that he was, tried to sabotage that. So because Daryl Sittler had a no trade clause in his contract, he was one of the earliest players to have one, he said that he wouldn't waive his no trade clause for any less than $500,000. Now, around 1980, I think this is, if I'm correct, that's a lot of money for that time period. A lot of money. Players are not really making $1 million yet. That, that's a lot. That's like a year's worth of salary for most players in the NHL, if not all of them. And so to basically counteract that and kind of put the screws to Sittler, Ballard had Lenny McDonald traded. And Lenny McDonald was a fan favorite in Toronto. He was a great goal scorer. He ended up winning a cup with Calgary in 1989 and then retiring right afterward But um, this was a a slap in the face. Um, So he sent them, not only did he trade Lanny McDonald, but he traded him to the Colorado Rockies, who were at the time the Mickey Mouse organization that Wayne Gretzky ended up calling the New Jersey Devils. So you can just see how bad the blood was between Sittler and Ballard. And Ballard took it out on Lanny McDonald's. But to further to further kind of bolster this, Ballard actually was quoted as saying that he likened Sittler's actions to burning the Canadian flag. Um, they tried to patch things up afterwards, but it ended up not working. Uh, Punch Imluck ended up getting a, a second heart attack, and he had to step down. There was a new general manager that came in named Jerry McNamara, and they looked to trade um, Daryl Sittler to the Minnesota North Stars. But that did not happen, and he ended up being traded in January of 1982 to the uh, Philadelphia Flyers. So one of the longest and most drawn-out divorces – probably the most drawn-out divorce in this entire list happens to be this one – And if you want to talk about vitriol, I think there's only one scenario that I'm going to go over in a little bit that holds more hatred between two sides than these two.
0: All right, going to number two. We have Mr. Anthony Larocco, and it's Patrick Law and the Montreal Canadiens.
2: One of my favorites. Um, So early in the season, the Canadians hired Mario Tremblay as their – um, sorry, their coach. So, Wah and Trombley had a strained relationship from when they roomed together when he played. The story was that Trombley would kind of mock Wah's English speaking capabilities, um, and they just from that from that point on they had a rocky relationship. There was some reports that they almost got into a fight actually on Long Island in 1995. Um, but the story goes it was a game against the Detroit Red Wings. They lost 11-1. Patrick Watt allowed 9 goals on 26 shots before he was finally pulled. So which he obviously was not happy about. At that time, there was no there was no glass behind the bench as the Canadians like ownership group and management would sit right behind the players. So Watt stormed past his coach after he got pulled and said to the Canadians president that it's the last game he's ever played for the Montreal Canadians. The next day the Canadians suspended him and four days after that, he was traded. Um, they got Andre Kovalenko, Martin Hrusinski. Uh, and there was another piece in that deal, but it was Juan Joey Keane going to the Colorado Avalanche. Jocelyn uh, Tebow. Jocelyn Tebow. Yeah, Jocelyn Tebow. Um, went to the Avalanche, and Juan ended up winning two cups after he left once in 96, which is Colorado's first year there after moving from Quebec, and then again in 2001. And this situation was just so raw because – he was literally so irate that after he gets pulled, he immediately said, "Last time he's ever played for the organization," and he was true to his word. That was the last time he ever played for the Canadians. You know, we're talking about a goalie who—it's not like he just risen to success with Colorado. He was a, a wildly successful goalie with the Canadians. Um, you know, prior to that trade, and the Canadians—if you look—if you really look back on it, you can kind of say what would have what would have been if why would have stayed stayed on Montreal. Um, you know, Colorado probably doesn't win a Stanley Cup. Um, you know, maybe the Canadians would have won more um, aside from their win in 1993. And maybe they, with Wah, they would have won on to one more. But um, very disrespectful to a guy like Patrick Wah to leave him in to get embarrassed. Uh, Trumbulling knew what he was doing. Um, and frankly, you know, it was a Bush League remover from a pro sports organization. No matter how you feel about a guy, you don't like him. Um, you don't leave a, you know, an elite goaltender in to get embarrassed in that situation. Um, maybe if there was no hate between the two guys, it wouldn't have went on. It wouldn't have happened like that. But since there was bad blood, um, it just escalated into what happened. And you know Patrick Waugh, one of the best ever, went on to cement himself um, you in know, Colorado as you know one of the best, if not the best, goalie of all time. So poor decision on Trombley's part, foolish, childish. Um, and Patrick Walsh stuck to his guns, never played for him again.
0: There were so many uh, aspects or so many items that we tried to put on this list and we tried to keep them all. But here are some honorable mentions. J.D. Gorton and the Rangers, Brian Trottier and the Islanders, Danny Heatley in the Senators, Eric Carlson in the Senators, Michael Pekka and the Sabres, and Matthew Shane and the Colorado Avalanche. And that brings us to our number one and there's only one man that can announce it mr john falkowski
1: the breakup of all breakups eric lindros was a very polarizing figure from his very not even his very first day in the nhl but even before that by the time he was drafted he was already a, a polarizing figure stating that he wouldn't play for the quebec nordiques um The background on it is that Eric's agent, which was also his father, Carl, and his mother, Bonnie, were very involved in Eric's career. Behind-the-scenes things, um, management, agency, handling his finances and everything. They got involved to a point where Eric had gotten some concussions, uh, something that had haunted him. Because back in junior days, he skated with his head down. And if you, anybody who's ever played hockey, you know, the one thing that you don't do is skate with your head down. You, back then, you would get your head taken off if you did that. And Eric did. Darius Kasparitis was the first concussion that Eric Lindros received back in 1998. Others came after. Others followed. Hal Gill. Scott Stevens, Jason Doe. I mean, there's a laundry list of guys who gave Eric Lindros a concussion at one point in his career or another. Mark Smith in San Jose with his first season with the New York Rangers gave him a a mild concussion. Um, There are very few players in the history of the game that skated with their head down like Eric did. That caused Eric to get several concussions. And these concussions created a strained and severed relationship between him and the Flyers. Back then, concussions were kind of an afterthought. CTE was years away from being discovered. Uh, There was really no information on how just how bad it actually was for a player. Um, Players who basically had warped lives and minds after their pro careers, it wasn't attributed to concussions or CTE. There was no information about that yet. Eric Lindros knew this, however, um, had spoken with his doctors and was unhappy with the Philadelphia Flyers team doctors and their diagnoses. Also, Eric Lindros in Nashville actually suffered a collapsed lung. And if it wasn't for Keith Jones, Eric Lindros might be dead today because they wanted him to get on a plane and fly back to Philadelphia to be seen by the team's doctors. Keith Jones said that he would basically fight anybody that would try to put him on that plane because he was going to die due to air pressure, and he would have. So between these events, the relationship got worse and worse. Verbal jabs were exchanged. Bobby Clark, then general manager of the Philadelphia Flyers, called Eric Lindros soft. Um, Eric's parents, Carl and Bonnie, sent verbal jabs at the organization, and this blew up into what we're almost looking at right now with the Jack Eichel situation, but even worse, 20 years ago. So when I say that the Jack Eichel situation is going to turn into Eric Andrus 2.0, it's this close to doing it. This is the worst breakup I've probably ever seen in the history of sports. I've never seen anything like this. And I don't think there will ever be anything like this ever again. Lindros ended up holding out for the 2000-2001 season. A little further context, Lindros, the same package that was sent to Philadelphia for Lindros, the Rangers had almost completed a trade for Yarmir Jagr. Now it was a third round pick, Pavel Brendel, Jan Halavich, and Kim Janssen, which were, would have been sent to Washington for Yarmir Jagr. But Craig Patrick then general manager of the Pittsburgh Penguins had a kind of a strenuous pass with the Rangers fired by them years ago and nixed the deal last second and sent him to Washington for a lesser package. So weeks later, the Rangers turned around and sent that same package to Philadelphia for Eric Lindros. And that completed a, I would say a year and a half, maybe even longer saga in which the nastiest divorce that I've seen in sports history had spanned over.
0: All right. So that is our list of our worst breakups in NHL history. So if you think we left some uh, some of them off, put them down in the comments below. And don't forget to like, share, and subscribe. And now we're going to actually change gears and discuss our list and why we had it on here, this was a, an amalgamated list. Uh, I, I had the fight with Anthony on a couple of these. John Tavares is number one, and I'm going to start right there. I had to throw John Tavares on this list. Fans were using his jerseys in the urinals. like That, like that was saying how badly that was. So, I mean, that's the reason why I had Tavares right there. Uh, Anthony, is there anyone that's not on the list that you wish was on this list?
2: Um, yeah, I think I think Michael Pekka. I mean, we're we're talking about a guy who who literally held out a whole season um, for a contract dispute, um, ended poorly. And again, like you don't really you don't see guys miss whole years. That's how rare it is. So I think that alone, Michael Pekka needed to be on the list. Um, but other than that, I mean. That, that to me is really the, the one that really sticks out as should have been the list, but uh, you know, it's a tough call. There's only 10 spots. So only so much you can do, but that one was ugly.
0: I mean, the one that I didn't mention and now Phil's back with us, he can give some of the ones that were on there. One of the ones I had on there was Kurt Mueller. Kurt Mueller in the New York Islanders was very ugly. Like he re- didn't want to come here. Then had to come here. Then was just, a. I mean, it was just a bad situation all the way through. Well, that was twofold
2: because the general manager at the time told him that he wasn't going to be traded, and he was traded. So he was was blindsided. And let's face it, at that time, the Islanders were a joke, so that made it even worse. But, yeah, when your general manager tells you that you're not going to be traded and then you're traded anyway, um, he just – so he he was angry and not happy from the start.
0: Well, yeah, and a matter of fact, the gentleman whose jersey I have right over there was also angry about being told he wasn't going to be traded. Phil? Yeah,
1: uh, I mean, if you want to speak about Brian Leach, he was literally told by Glenn Saylor that he wasn't going to be – well, he told Glenn Saylor he didn't want to be traded and then was traded days later behind his back. I mean, he didn't have a no-trade clause, but that was one of the starting moves of the 2004 rebuild, or retool, if you want to call it that. Jarmer um, Yager and the Washington Capitals were a uh, one that I thought – should have gotten a little more recognition because of the fact that there was a lot of tension between yard Yager and Ron Wilson. Um, Yager did not like playing for Ron Wilson. Um, <laughs> that, that That's a funny comment, but uh yeah, Yager did not like playing in Washington. He did not like playing for uh, Ron Wilson and it ended up uh, with Yager being dealt to the Rangers for one of the most lopsided deals in NHL history it was Yager and half of his salary being eaten by the Capitals for Anson Carter straight up. I, I mean, that's no offense to Anson Carter. I, I, but I, I, Anson would even say the same thing. He'd be like, I just got traded for Yarmor Yager and they're eating half his salary. And Anson was flipped to Los Angeles. Uh, I think maybe a week later for Jared all if I remember correctly. So but uh, yeah. I thought Yager should have gotten at least an honorable mention there.
0: Uh, Gunton Granny, I got to put you right back on here. I already had a couple of your comments, but yeah, Marc Andre Fleury. I had him on my list. Thank you to guys like Anthony who kind of got me out of my bubble to, to think about other ones. But I mean, you trade the Vesna Trophy winner. It, it seems like to me, Pete, the board just hates Marc Andre Fleury.
1: I don't think that's yeah. Really, uh, 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 Pete DeBoer hating him. I think that it's just—he's at the—he's near the end of his career. He's got a very high salary. He's got one year left on his deal, and you gotta move. You gotta move cap. I, it, to me, it's disrespectful that they moved him in a salary dump. But I don't think there was any bad blood or vitriol—at least not that we know about.
0: They were trying to move him last year, and he won the Vesna Trophy. Well,
2: I think the worst part about it was he found out on Twitter.
1: Yeah, that that's that's
2: That that's yeah. Like that's just classless.
1: Gerard Gallant yeah. on the side of a road in Florida. Th- yeah. th- that one we could have had on the list. Um
0: we did have it on our potential ones. There are so many of these that we have. I mean, hell, I had this joke always ready to go. Uh I always wanted to put this on. Lil Lamarello and every coach he's ever had. It never ends well.
1: Does Robbie Fatorak also, like, count for every coach because he threw a bench onto the ice?
0: Yeah. (laughs) Fired him with the best record in the league.
1: But he threw a bench onto the ice. (laughs) He's kind of warranted in firing him.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. But then again, if it was baseball, they'd be – you be all I up mean, in arms, being like, "Hey!"
1: This comment from Dino says it all. It's, it's just—it's like you're you're <laughs> by a text. It it really I, is. I know it is.
0: Yeah, it is. I mean, I mean, my my my, my ex girlfriend was nice enough to call me. Uh, yeah. of so. <laughs> I mean, when she was off of college, no, great girl, and again, I you know can't say enough good things about her, but it's it's just that it's um. You know, it's, it, it, it's, this was a little bit of fun, but this was also just, ouch, like a lot of these. I mean, Barry Trotz of the Capitals yeah. was on my honorable mentions. Um, let's see, Anthony, I mean, you had Patch Reddy in Montreal. Uh, Dubois in Columbus. Yeah. Duchesne Dush, was the one, and Yashin were the two that I was like, oh, those are good ones. Luongo in Vancouver, you had.
2: Yeah, that. That was that was another bad one. Like I said, you know, they were trying to move him, and I referenced that, I think, last time we did a show. Like, it, it was after the trade deadline. He wasn't moved, and they were talking to him, but you could see he was frustrated. He's like, what can I say? He's like, my contract sucks. <laughs> <laughs> they had a hard time moving him. Yeah, I mean,
1: and, then really big big moving and then they ended up moving Schneider and then ended up moving right after, which is yeah, stupid. Just, yeah.
0: yeah. Yeah. I mean, and we didn't even get to Eric Carlson. Eric Carlson that situation that I I, I'm at a loss for words to even describe what happened on that one.
1: Yeah. um, That, that was a really, really twisted one with Mike Hoffman's girlfriend. Yeah.
0: Yeah. It's just, it's, and again, we're going all through public information or the information that's out there. We're not making any accusations to any, anybody on anything. But if there are any other breakups that you think we should have had on here, throw it down in the comments below. We'd always love to know what you think. And, of course, don't forget to like, share, and subscribe. We're going to move on because we got to do some bar talk because we still got a lot of show to go.
1: Yeah. I'm going to take a shot on this one. I'm going to see beer.
0: I'm buying everybody around on this. Oh, my God. Uh, oops. Uh, hold on. I don't think I replaced it. Oh, all right. Just to be technical. Sorry, everybody. I got to waste 30 more seconds of your time. Actually 10 more seconds.
1: I'm going to take a shot on this one. You're going to see, beer. I'm buying everybody around on this. Oh my God. It's go. when you realize you have your old logo up. Yeah, you yeah. still have the old th- all things Rangers on there. I know I gotta
0: put that over that too. I gotta do all of that stuff. Yeah.
1: But- <laughs> all of Mark's breakups could have made the list. Uh, <laughs> yeah, definitely. Here's one for you, Sean.
0: Yeah, you just made the list. Yeah, I mean, one way or another, you know, breaking up isn't easy, guys. That's that's the thing. Um, But. Welcome back to the ATR Bar the ATR bar Talk, where we're gauging our ATR on NHL topics by choice of drink. I just said ATR Big Apple. Yes, hobby. look, it's been months. Big <laughs> Apple. Hobby. I can't say the BAH. That's not going to work. Anyway,
1: yeah, it doesn't work.
0: So, uh, we're gauging our uh, confidence on NHL topics based on our choice of drink: a shot, a beer. You find everybody around. So let's start with this one because there were comments made this week saying. The New York Rangers are not interested in Jack Eichel. Mr. Fulkowski, start us off.
1: Shot. They're interested. It, it, it's, they're not interested in Kevin Adams' asking price, and that, that's going to have to go down. It, I've been saying this for months. been saying this for probably about three months now. Um, it's going to have to go down. And eventually, it, it if they want to get a deal done and they want to deal him by training camp and not have to deal with the headache that that, could, that that situation could have in a, in a locker room, uh, they're going to have to lower that price. Um, I, I know that it's kind of a fluid situation because there are teams that are supposedly in and out of it. They'll check back in, and they'll see if Adams is lowered his asking price yet. Usually the response is probably going to be no, and then you're, you're looking at the same old thing. Oh, this team's back in, this team's out this team's back in again. That's what it's going to be like until a deal is made. Um, I I still maintain that there's interest. It's just it has to be at a reasonable price. Kevin Adams is going to have to make a concession. If he thinks he's going to screw some team and put put the nuts and the bolts to them and get a King's ransom for Jack Eichel, he's sadly mistaken. No team is going to give that up. If that was the case, a deal would have been done already. I've said this for months. A deal would have been done already. So if – If Kevin Adams really wants to negotiate, then he will have to show that he's willing to make some sort of concession or compromise, and he's been unwilling to do so as of now. So um, the interest is there, but whether the deal gets done or not anytime soon, that's another story.
0: Anthony? Um,
2: Yeah, shot. I'm sure the Rangers are still interested in Jack Eichel. Just like John said, they're not not willing to pay the price yet. Buffalo's not willing to move him. Uh, obviously right now because I haven't got to offer good enough. Um, you know, and also don't – I don't know if you saw D- Dave Panyota's article on his site uh, about a couple of days ago. At this point, Jack Eichel's not going to be ready to start the season. Um, he's, he's, he needs to fix his neck issue. That's a problem for teams. They're not going to have him right away. Um, so, yeah, I, I'm not – I'm becoming less and less confident that this actually does happen, you know, by the time training camp opens. I – I can't believe it got to this point, but yet here we are. And yeah, sure, anything can happen. It takes one phone call, but yeah, I, I don't, I don't know at this point. Um, I think there are a lot of teams interested. Just Buffalo is not ready to pull the trigger, and other teams may not want to at this point right now because of his health situation. They don't know what's going on. It's a mess. It, re- it really, it really is a mess. But I- I'm beginning to trying to come to terms that Jack Eichel is going to be a saber on the first day of training camp.
0: I'm gonna upgrade it only to a beer. Um, the reason why is because it's the previous regime had interest. Yes, there's interest, John. So technically speaking, it could be a shot. But there's the previous regime of uh, JD and Gordon actually was exploring getting Eichel last year. Um, Chris Drury's a BU alum, so obviously uh, he's Jack Eichel's on his radar. But at the term at the asking price, I think is really good in what's uh, come into this, and I don't I don't think Drew wants to pay their asking price in any way, so that's what's making me go. Look, I'll be interested. I mean, hell, I'd I'd be interested in ScarJo if she came, she just she just showed up, but if she told me that I had to, I, I don't know how many hoops do I have to jump through. I mean, that's that's what it would come down to. So, no, um, if, if they got to give up the farm for him, no. Good luck.
1: The, I mean, this kind of – I think this might ring true to a point. Um, I think once he – if Adams finally realizes somewhere along the line in the season, like, hey, you know what, I can't get what I'm looking for out of these teams because of the health issue and the fact that he's going to miss a significant amount of time – then maybe somewhere during the season a deal could be made. But he's got to he, – he might have to retain salary to make that work because, again, like I said, these high AAV contracts, they don't get moved during the season because it's a much harder move to ask of a team during a season. It becomes that much more complicated. So that that's why I think Adams has to move him before the start of the season. It's either that or you're putting him
0: – he's sitting out the season and you're maybe he is you're he's and he's not getting surgery and then becomes where we go where we go from here donald fair is going to come in here follow grievance because that's what he used to do with the major league players association all Yep. all right moving on to our second topic kako kako Caco's Capo, Capo training regimen will uh lead to a breakout season and i'm going to buy everybody around on this uh because i got to go back there to do that because you're hearing him working out with Mika Rantanen and his strength coach, and he was—he looked pretty good last year. I understand the numbers were a little bit disappointing, but I—I I think this kid is ready to bust out. Yes, the train—yes, the training regimen has got to have a lot to do with it. He's growing, he's getting bigger, but also uh, Gallant having a little bit more faith in him isn't going to kill his confidence the way my driver
1: kills my confidence when I'm playing golf, John. I'm going to say beer only because it's going to be a combination of things, like you said. A new coach, that's probably going to give him more time. I, I think someone like Gerard Galant is more than smart enough to notice that, you know what, the numbers might not be there, but the underlying play is really good. I mean, he was, I believe, top 30 in the league in takeaways in his second year in the league at, what, 19, 20 years old? That's really good considering that his first season in the league, he was piss poor. Defensively. He was horrendous. He was one of the worst defensive players in the entire league as a rookie. So uh, I mean, he's he's done incredible work to work on his skating. You saw the difference. The confidence was there. Um, like I said, the shooting is really a big thing for him. He needed, he needs to improve that shot. If that shot's improved this year, then I I think you could be looking at a 20 plus goal season from this kid. Um, but yeah, I, I think it's a combination of things. I think it's the training, I think it's gallant. I think it's going to be increased ice time. I think it's going to be confidence, and I think it's going to be a coach that's actually going to invest in him. David Quinn didn't seem to want to invest in the young players. I mean, it took, it took him until the end of the season to put Alexi Lafreniere there when Chris Kreider literally scored uh, nine of his 20 goals in a six-game span. I mean, you have a player that's on your top line that's that disappointing, and you didn't move him down until the end of the year. It's just baffling. Again, I'm not going to try to sit here and turn this into a bash David Quinn fest because been there, done that, beaten the dead horse, not worth it. But, I mean, I really think that Gallant is going to see a lot of this and it's going to be part of the reason why that he breaks out. But beer only because it's not the only thing. But, yes, it's going to play a big role. Anthony.
0: Uh,
2: Beer. Um, You know, I think a lot of what John said, it it could be a lot of factors. It's not just because – of a guy's training regimen. I mean, there are plenty of guys who, you know, who train, you know, balls to the wall, if you will, and, you know, don't just break out and dominate the league. So, um, you know, like it's going to be coaching, ice time, you know, fit, all that stuff. So um, Capococco could very well break out, um, but it's not just going to be because the guy spends a lot of time in the gym. So it's beer.
0: All right. Moving on, going back across the river the islanders should promote oliver wallstrom instead of target uh, targeting uh, vladimir Tarasenko. missile rocket um yeah this 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 right here
2: um, you know actually i'm going to go i'm going to go round because oliver wallstrom is is poised to you know have a pretty big year next year um, and you know i say the time is now to put him on the top line i think still there's a chance he he plays on the third line Parise, pajot and um, and uh, Parise, Parise, so Wallstrom, Parise and Pajot, Um and Palmieri stays on the first line. But I would like to see Wallstrom on the first line of Barzell. I think that they could have really good chemistry. Um, the guy scored 12 goals in 44 games, getting, you know, playing third line minutes and some spot duty on the power play. But it's for me, the problem is, yeah, I, it would be awesome to get Tarasenko. But if you get Tarasenko that means one of two things has to happen. Either Oliver Wallstrom has to be in the press box, which isn't going to happen, or I think would be dumb. Or you get Tarasenko, then you have to move another forward to make room, whether it be Beauvillier or Bailey. Those would be the only two logical choices because every other, every other spot is filled. So, and obviously I'm not a proponent of training Anthony Beauvillier either. I think he's a very good player. So, um, Tarasenko would be more of a luxury right now, to be honest with you, and I think Wallstrom, as he gains more experience and more playing time, can be a Tarasenko type with his shot and his release. So, um, yeah, I'm all about this. I'm going to go round, give Wallstrom the
1: ice time, play him next to Barzell, Phil. Round uh, for for all the reasons that Anthony said. Uh, not only that, but I mentioned before with this team that they have they have cap space. But they've got to be careful with what they do over the next couple of years because if they add another high salary like Tarasenko, that can put them in more of a pickle. They just got out of a major pickle by with Lou Lamorello's friggin' sorcery, whatever the hell he pulled. I don't know what he did, whether it was a horse head or whether he put a, a Jedi mind trick on on uh, Steve Iserman in Detroit because usually you don't see Steve Eiserman lose trades like that. But um, he got value for Nick Letty. Any move, the salary didn't retain the dime on that. He got Arizona to take Andrew Ladd. Why put yourself in the same position, especially with a wild card like Tarasenko, who's had three consecutive shoulder surgeries on the same shooting shoulder? Try saying that five times fast. Um, but Oliver Wallstrom, when he was drafted, I, and Anthony, you were there. I wanted Wallstrom. I, I wanted Wallstrom. I thought he was the goal scorer that the Rangers needed, and. Um, there's, I don't see any reason why he can't score 20 goals with top six minutes and power play time this upcoming year. I mean, he had what 12 this year? Yeah, shortened season. So yeah. why, why, if you're if you're going to invest in a short player, season, his season was shortened too. Yeah, I, I mean, I think this comment might actually explain things a little more. That was uh, Eitherman's mob tax payment to Big, <laughs> um, but. <laughs> Again, he he, made, he 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 managed that whole situ- uh, situation masterfully. I got to give credit to Lou, but yeah, keep the cap space, promote the kid. You need more ELC contracts that are productive anyway. Give the kid a shot. Uh, we're gonna make it a clean, uh, clean sweep. Uh, I'm buying
0: a round too because. It's better to keep Scott Mayfield, not open up uh, another hole. It's better to keep your prospects if you can. You don't know what Tarasenko is going to be and how many games he's going to be playing because let's say he's not healthy. Then uh, you just traded away key pieces for nothing. So um, I still think there's a way with the lower ASCII price for them to get Tarasenko. I still believe it. But if I'm Doug Armstrong and and I say it's Wallstrom, nope. That would be my answer if I'm Lou. And then Horton. (laughs) And then, then, then of course, the horse is head. All right, moving on. Actually, we're going to go across the river one more time, but it's going to be going to New Jersey. And Dougie Hamilton will live up to that contract. And you know what? I'm going to start up uh, this one again. Oh, it's a shock. I am not a Dougie Hamilton fan. Uh, $9 million this season. He has had injuries, and this is already the fourth organization on him. You're giving him... That many years, he he's I I just don't have the faith. He, he could be a pretty good defenseman. I don't know about a nine million dollar defenseman. So I'm going to move on to uh, Anthony. <laughs> um, <laughs> That's me trying to. I'm going
4: to go.
2: I'm going to go. Uh, I'm going to go. Beer. Um, is a lot. Dougie Hamilton's a good. You know, he's a good defenseman. He could put up. He could put up numbers. He skates well. Defends. You know, average not great but not bad. Um but he's gonna be in New Jersey. Um, you know, I, I still don't think even with adding him to Tar, you know, Hughes has another year under his belts. I mean, he sheer had a such a bad injury with injuries season last year with injuries. I mean he'll be a better, but I am not I'm not convinced he's in a situation where he's gonna put up a ton of numbers and, you know, be um, a really, really proficient defenseman. So um Definitely very good defenseman, but I I don't – $9 million earning that in Jersey, I'm not really seeing it. So, beer.
1: Philk. I got to go beer here too. It almost sounds like me and Anthony mimicking each other, but we're really on the same page with a lot of this stuff today. But you – the the key thing here is that Jersey made some good additions. I like Tatar at what they signed him for. I – and saying that he could be the steel. Um, I like Hughes next season because I think he's going to break out. I think he's going to have a pretty big year, not a tremendous year, but he's going to take that next step. If he sure can come back and play like he did a couple of years ago, that goes a long way as well. Um, Your power play would look like those three and then maybe PK Subban and Dougie Hamilton are Subban and Hamilton on the same power play. Because, I mean, those are two trigger men right there. Hamilton's not the big slap shot guy that Suban is. But Hamilton is one of the better defenders in the league at getting his shot through to the net and, and getting those deflection goals and getting those goals through screens and so on. So um, Hamilton, like Anthony said, is really not a great defender. But he's going to be their number one guy. He's going to eat minutes left and right. He's going to probably be a guy that plays 25 minutes a game. Now, that in itself... You got to say, "Hey, nine million dollar defenders do that type of thing," but it's the offensive numbers and it's the development of all the other players around him that'll really kind of determine whether Hamilton can put up the points deserving or that would make you deserving of a nine million dollar a year AAV. So I I gotta say, beer here, but there's there's a chance. I wouldn't completely rule it out, but um, I'm going with beer. And moving on to the next one. Uh, this
0: might be in my future because uh, it's where I got family right now. But the Arizona Coyotes are going to remain in Arizona. Phil, start us off.
1: I got to say round. Uh, I, I, ju- I just don't see how the NHL puts in so much time to this franchise over the years and then just decides to relocate them. They've been there for 25 years now. Yeah, twenty. they went there for the 96-97 season. That was their mm-hmm. first year there that was highlighted by the Ronick for Alexis Jamnov trade. Um, they paired Ronick with Keith Kachuk. They were great for a few years there together. Nikolai Hobby Bullen made some playoff appearances and established hockey in the desert. Um, I, I think with the NHL's initiative on expansion over the last 30 years, I think to move them to a more traditional hockey market would go against that and would be counterproductive and regressing instead of progressing. So I personally just don't see how you take this team and move them to a different market. So um, now that they have new ownership, they have a, a stable ownership, they need good hockey men in their front office. And John Chaco was a major black guy in that organization. did and how he screwed them out of, uh, out of draft picks with, with the combine nonsense. So um, I think if you get a good hockey guy in there, You start making some solid picks and maybe this team finally decides, hey, let's stop retooling and let's actually full-on rebuild. Just go scorched earth and start from the bottom. You get yourself a franchise player or two to build around, and that's how you build it up. I mean, if anything, they should be looking at Shane Wright this year and then one of Bedard and Mitch Cobb the year after in 2023. So uh, I'm going to say round. Anthony. When I
2: I got the news that the city of Glendale was opting out of their you know, their lease for making this season the last year. Most I was like, oh, ever. wow, this doesn't look good for them. But the more I, I, I kind of read about it and really thought about it, I think it's actually the least likely that they move. I mean, here there could be a negotiation tactic and that they have options to play in the meantime. They can go back to the American Airlines Center where they used to play before they moved to Giller River and play there until a new arena can be built, which they're trying to get done. Uh, like John said, Bettman has tried so hard to make hockey work in traditional, non-traditional hockey markets. They've been there for a long time. So for him, for them to leave now would just kind of make all that hard work he did with getting there in the first place and building hockey in the desert seem like all for nothing. Um, so something would really have to go really awry for them to move. So um, I'm going to say they're staying too, and I'll, I'll go with the round as well. And as John pointed out, Rebuild, they got five second-round picks this coming in this coming draft. That's trade-off five second-round picks. Yeah, I mean, you uh, you could do multiple things with that. You could trade a second for a pretty good, you know, solid player. You could package some for a first. It, they're in a good spot right now, despite having the corpse of Andrew Ladd on their team. So I'm going to go
0: round. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know what? Let's go one more uh, round on this, because you know something? Uh I immediately heard that news and went, okay, so where are they going in Arizona? Because uh, having heard as much of this from Arizona press a few years ago, especially when I was out there, they put that arena in the wrong spot. That, that arena is there next to a football stadium and where people can go eight times a year, maybe nine, because I forget how the schedule works now. Because um, the NFL is just as kooky as the as the rest of the sports leagues. But it's – um there's nothing around there they have their Hilton that's about it uh, awesome great job if you put it in Scottsdale you're around so many other things and now you're drawing people to the to the town and the area and there's so much more to do and it's easier to get to and it's just come on people with this how did this get this far you built a multi-million dollar stadium. In multi-hundred million dollar stadium. And this is this is when they figure this out. I would find the city planner and shoot him. That's the first thing I would do. You're like, uh yeah, don't worry. Security's gonna rough you up on the way out after we fired you. So that would have been the first thing I would (laughs) say. Um moving on to the first overall pick this year. Owen Power returning to college is actually bad for the NHL, Anthony. Shot.
2: Um It's not like Owen Power is a talent like Connor Bedard, who's choosing not to play in the NHL after getting drafted. Um, Owen Power, you know, he's going to be – I think he's going to be a very good defenseman in the National Hockey League. Um, But him going back to college honestly means squat to the NHL. They could care less. Um, He's going to college to be part of a super team with Michigan. I mean, Kent Johnson, uh, Beniers himself, Luke Hughes committed to Michigan – Uh, they're going to win a national championship. And if they don't, something went horribly wrong. Um, So I don't blame him for having that opportunity to go back there, win a national title, gain some more experience, live that college life. I mean, let's face it, he's going to be a celebrity on campus there in Michigan, first overall pick. He's going to have ladies probably swarming all over him, Um, you know, live the time of his life. So, I mean – not a and, and this seems gets it's like he did it because Buffalo's a tire fire. I Truly, just believe he did it because he wants to win a national championship. He's playing college hockey. He's the first overall pick. Kyle, it's going to be a good you know experience from there in Michigan next year. So so be it. You know so it's not not a not a knock on Buffalo. It doesn't matter to the NHL. This is non-story. Good for him. Win that national title
1: shot. Phil it's it's bad for buffalo because they want a player like him to be ready and they want him to make an impact with the team next year uh he would be the first player since eric johnson in 2006 to not play in the nhl in his draft plus one year um but i i don't see how this is really bad for the nhl it, it's it, i don't even know if it leaves that much of a black eye on buffalo themselves um I mean, some fans would probably think that. And there are, there are reasons why, and I can understand the argument, but I, I, I just I don't see it as a major black eye. Um, they have some things they have to figure out. And if I'm the Sabres, I, if, if Jack Eichel's still there, I don't know if I want to in power around all that. I really don't. I, I mean, I, I think I would rather have that situation hammered out, let him play Michigan for a year, let him win, uh, if that team doesn't win a championship, it's a colossal failure because that that's probably the most talented college hockey team I think I've ever seen. Um, but you know let let them let them figure everything out. Let him stay out of that uh, whole uh, tornado of of uh, clusterfuckery or whatever you want to call it. I don't even know what to call it. it's just it's a, it's a mess that shit storm. but um, you know, let him stay out of that and then bring him back next year. so shot. Just
0: out of curiosity, is "coster fuckery your word? You could put that in the comments below. No, "crap, crap
1: tastical" is another word too. Crap tastical
0: is another word. I'm going shot too, boys. Uh, we're all on the same wavelength, wavelength all day today. Uh, the one thing I will say about this is it's not only it's not bad for the NHL, it's not bad for the Buffalo Sabers, and it's great for college hockey because now you have that loaded Michigan team. Oh, my God, that Michigan team is is just loaded with first-round talent and the first-round talent. They're like the, the Miami Hurricanes uh, used to be in football or the Alabama Crimson Tide. Screw you, Nick Saban. But it's just um, there's, there's just so many things that you're just – this is good for Owen Power. One more year. You'd rather If you're the Buffalo Sabres, you'd rather have them at 19 to 26 instead of 18 to 25. Just that simple. So, no, uh, I got to go with that. Um, Detroit will be the most improved team in the league next season. Filk.
1: I mean, they'll be improved. I don't know if they're the most improved team, so I'm going to say beer. I-, I think L.A. might end up being the most improved team. I mean, you add Matthew Deneau to that center core. Um, they have a bunch of pieces. And, um, I mean, you could see more emergence from guys like Gabriel Villardi and, and Quentin Byfield could maybe even make an impact for L.A. this year. So I, I'm going to say uh, beer here because I, I think L.A. will probably be the most. I'm
0: going to jump uh, in real quick, Anthony, because uh, first I know Phil meant to say uh, Philip DeNo, not Matthew. And the other thing is, uh, yeah, I'm going to go with beer, too. Uh, they look fantastic right now getting a pew suitor and a full year of Jacob Verona. And this, they look like they might be good. Is The question is, is is Blatchel really the coach that uh, they're going to need? That's a good question. They've only had, uh, I believe, four coaches in the last 30 years since Scotty Bowman. It was uh, Babcock, Blatchel, uh, Bowman, and Dave Lewis. So, uh, if there's any I forgot, obviously put it in the comments below. Anthony,
2: um, yeah, beer. I mean, looks they got Nick Letty. Uh, that you know, he, he's he should help stabilize their defense. Be a good uh, mentor for murit Sider. Um, you know, then like they get Nedeljkovic in goal. I mean, that's a huge upgrade. I mean, the guy was a finalist for Rookie of the Year, um, so that was definitely a good move. Like you mentioned, Pia Suter. Um, you know, and then. They, I mean, listen. They're still going to be a, a bad team um, because overall their defense still isn't great. You I mean you're talking Mark Stahl and you know Nick Kaiser? In the yeah, I mean Phil Peronic is a pretty good defenseman, but so they're they, they're they still have a lot of holes. Um, but they'll be improved. For me, I, honestly, I think I think Chicago might be the most improved. Uh, I mean, you added Seth Jones to the blue line. Then they got Mark Andre Fleury, who won the Vesna in goal. Um, they're getting they're, they're going to get Jonathan Taves back most likely. Um, so those those are those are some three pretty big ads. Um, so yeah, no Detroit will definitely be improved, but I don't know if you can say they're by far and away the most improved. So that's why I'm going beer, not round.
0: Um, I guess we'll wait one second for Philk or. Hopefully, yeah, <laughs> hopefully it's not a long break. You know, we'll just go back to you, Ant, because uh, we'll start this off, because this was one of yours, I think. The Seattle Kraken. No, 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 I... Oh, no, you? I, it wasn't a you? A
2: cu- couple of weeks ago, I said they could make the playoffs. Uh, this wasn't me.
0: Oh, okay, well, the Seattle Kraken can win the Pacific Division. Then, in that case, I guess it's Phil that put this in. So, um, which is weird because I think he was almost like borderline shot on them
2: making the playoffs. So, if he put this in, then that's surprising.
0: Well, it would get got in there somewhere, or somebody hacked me. So, <laughs> uh, um, there's, there's much more uh, things if you hacked me.
2: I'm gonna go shot, um, shot on this. I don't right. see like I, like I was a proponent saying that they could possibly squeeze in because if you look at the Pacific Division, I mean, you have. You have Vegas, obviously, right? Bell mm-hmm. will definitely be there. And even though I think Edmonton is flawed, you got to assume Edmonton will have that second spot. So that third spot was going to come down to, you know, L.A., Calgary, um, Seattle. That's why I I've toyed around the fact they can make the playoffs. But win the division, there's, there's no shot in hell they're going to be better than Vegas. I mean, Vegas, you know, Robin Leonard would have to get hurt. Mark Mark Stone would have to... You know, decide he wanted to retire, and take up a career in fly fishing. Max Pacioretty would 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 say, you know, I'm going to quit, move back to Connecticut, and you know, work on a farm. Like it's just, it's just, you know. And then and then so and William Carlson would have to tear their ACLs. It's just, it's not happening.
0: There's yeah. no, and, there's no shot in hell. And and while we're at it, Connor yeah. McDavid is going to try to will them to a playoff spot. Um, yeah. And there's uh, – L.A., we're saying, could be one of the most improved teams. Oh, I'm sorry. I, I want to say the word shot before I get too much further into this. Um, because it's it, – I'm just looking around that division. No. Also, by the way, we didn't – we're, we're even talking about just the division. How about – I'm not sold on Dave Hackstall, and I wonder where the goals are coming from on that team. Yanni Gord is going to be Maybe, I Jay, mean, everyone's really good enough to get Jayden, twenty. So, Jaden Schwartz, if he's healthy, uh, health is always yeah. a factor with Jaden Schwartz. Um, I mean, I, I I love the idea of it, but it's unfortunately it's just the idea. I yeah yeah I I don't think that's gonna happen either. Um, so the funny thing is, this might be Phil's question, and and he's, and he's still missing it. Hope everything's all right. Uh, uh, nothing. Yeah, I'm here. Sorry. Oh, you're here. Okay, good. I, was, yeah, for, I was actually looking for a text. I thought like there was actually a problem. Uh, no, Steelers no. Division.
1: No. Um, I, I, I'm saying shot to this. Um, I, I just think that they're they're far too too far behind. I think they might they might be competitive and they'll they'll be in games and maybe they'll even be you know, in the race to make the playoffs by the end of the season. Uh, maybe it's one of those galvanizing situations where everybody overlooks them and they just outwork people. But um, ultimately, I, I, I just think they, they, there's not enough talent there. Um, their goaltending situation is all right. Um, I like their defense, but their forward group leaves a little bit to be desired for me. So uh, I'm saying shot here.
0: Uh, two questions for you, Phil. One, was this yours? Yes. Kind of topic. Okay. And also, do you know who else is far behind? Candlebox. So <sighs> come on. Come on, people. What do you what do you want? Good jokes? So <laughs> or, or
1: it, it, orlando from 94.3 The Shark would absolutely love that reference. <laughs> or like his favorite band. So
0: all right. And lastly, and I'm going to start this one off as well, Austin Matthews' repeat on NHL 22's cover shows the decline of the EA franchise. I wanted to say, bye, everybody around. I'm going to go just to beer on this. Um, I did not get uh, NHL last year. Now, part of it had to do with timing. Gears of War was coming out, and I just kind of never went back to it. But also, it's just uh, e- all EA franchises have been kind of dying off because they're lacking originality and they're just trying to go with um, online hut modes. It's like, great. Um, hockey Ultimate Team? Awesome. i got to pay more money for something I I should have had. Should have been the bread man. Hey, why, don't, why not make his advantage at why are you repeating the same guy two years in?
1: I wouldn't have used Zibetaj, but you have you have Panera in there. You have you have a Norris Trophy winner and Adam Fox. Come on, man.
0: Yes, and it's you know what? And you and you and you're putting them on. you you're putting them on there. You just now. Granted, I like Austin Matthews. It's great to have an American kid on there. Probably the best American in the league. But two years in a row, uh, two out of the last three years. Not two years in a row. Still, all right, Phil.
1: I don't like the repeats. Uh, they repeated with T- uh, with Tays and Kane. They repeated with Ovechkin. Now they're repeating with him. They need to start putting new people on new, new, you want to, you want to market players, start marketing new players. Stop doing the same old players over and over again. Go to a different team in a different market. Show that these other players in these other markets are important and, and their names are worth something. Going back to Matthews again, does the exact opposite of that. And personally, I got NHL 21, thought it was all right, but it's literally the same game for the last I don't know four or five years now. Yeah,
2: the the, well, the special they, team. They switched to the frostbite engine, though. This that's year. the I only thing it that's it, holding me.
0: that's yeah. giving me hope.
1: Yeah, it, it, you know what? I, I, I miss I miss games like NHL 10, where there was a certain level of realism, but there there wasn't too much. And you could literally just play the game and have fun with it. But now it's just there's just too much real life mechanics that they're trying to adapt. That it, it's really hard to adapt. Uh, the last game I bought before Twenty One was Fourteen. So it, it's not really Matthews that's the problem. It's it's EA. It's, it's not Matthews. So I, I'm I'm saying shot here, Anthony.
2: I'm gonna go beer because I don't think it the, the means it's the decline of the EA franchise, but the, it, the 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 choice to put Matthews on it is just piss poor. I mean, how much talent's in this league? Like, you couldn't tell me like Panarin or Braden Point or Andre Vasilevsky or you know um, I, Sasha Barkov or you know Kale McCarr. Like, he's like what? Like, there's so many good young players in this league. You've literally picked Austin Matthews for the second year in a row. Like, I, I don't, I don't understand that. I just don't understand that at all. One, one single bit, doesn't make sense to me. Like I said, there's so much young talent in this league that they could have chose to cover, um, and they choose Matthews again. Does make sense to me? Dumb.
0: I mean, even if you wanted to go to Drysdale, you wanted to go to, um,
1: uh, yeah, Drysdale, dry another one. Nate McKinnon. Hasn't been on one? Yeah, Nate McKinnon would have been a really good one.
0: I mean, or how about, uh, well, Kucherov, I think. Did Kucherov make one of them recently? No, no. Okay, Kucherov one, Braden Point's another. I mean, we could could go on for a while with a lot of different guys. But it's just, yeah, Austin Matthews again? So so what? So we could be reminded you can't win a playoff series? Is that it? (laughs) I mean – Come on. I mean, again, by the way, the worst hockey breakup of all time is uh, the Stanley Cup and the Toronto Maple Leafs. You'll never see that thing ever again. Um, Ah. Anyway, uh, so that concludes our bar talk. What are your thoughts? Um, Are the Rangers really interested in Jack Eichel at this point? Uh, Capococco's training methods, is that going to really be a breakout? Should the Islanders promote Oliver Wallstrom? Is Arizona going to keep the Coyotes? Um, Dougie Hamilton will go to his contract. So. I actually
1: had one more topic that I put in there a little earlier on today. I don't oh, know. Oh,
0: really? I didn't even see it. So, yeah, uh, I, I think this is a good
1: one because this is actually a very recent piece of news that just came out. Oh, yes, it is.
0: So hold on. By the way, uh, while I'm actually copying and pasting this, if you guys haven't subscribed, we are available now on iTunes and Spotify. Yes, for you. So um, we are available in audio. It's not exactly helping us monetarily just yet, but um, we're always working to uh, to keep on um, making excellent content. Which I'm going to go on a rant about that, and when we get to our Q and A. But um, all right, so. Kirill Kaprizov will end up back with Minnesota with the deal he was seeking. Phil, this is yours, so go right
1: in. Well, uh, I don't know if uh, either of you have heard, but uh, CSKA Moscow actually uh, came yeah. out and denied that they offered Kirill Kaprizov that $10 million deal. So now we're getting to the point where there's a bunch of posturing going on between the two sides, not that it wasn't a secret or anything like that, but now Kirill Kaprizov seems like uh, his cover might be blown there. So um, it it, it, beg, it beckons the question, is he going to end up with Minnesota and is he going to have the deal that he was looking for? Um, I think the longer this goes, I, I think the less of the chance that there is that he ends up back with Minnesota with that deal. I think ultimately, they would love to take him back, but I don't think they would. Um, CSK in Moscow—that is, CSK in Moscow—would love to sign him, but I don't think that he signs for ten million over there. And I know that the taxes are different there, so he walks away with more. But um, I, I think that he might end up having to take a, maybe a six to a seven million dollar deal for those three or so years and and stay in Minnesota and get a, a shorter bridge. Uh, so this, this way, I mean, they might make the sacrifice. So, you know, Hey, we're going to give you the, 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 term you're looking for, but it's going to be on our terms on the AAV. And that's what I said about Barkley Goodrill. You have to win one of the battles. You have to win either term or AAV because if you don't win, if you don't win either, then you're, you're usually left with the bad contract and it ends up screwing team in the end. So uh, I, I think that the, like I said, the longer this goes, I'm going to say beer for right now.
0: Anthony.
2: Um, shot, because I don't think there's no way the Wild are giving him the two to three year deal with nine million that he wants at this point. I still think he can get nine million, but he's going to have to agree to take five years or so to get it. I don't think there's no shot in hell the Wild are going to give him exactly what he wants. Um, I think he ends up back there on a four to five year deal, you know, worth about eight to nine million. I think he'll get that, but he's not getting the two to three years. No way
0: in hell. Um, I'm gonna go shout too because club's got the hammer and you you can't go to the KHL right now. Um, because they got their budgets and also the KHL has a transfer agreement with the NHL. I don't think you can go back just that easily. So um look. Minnesota might have to bite the bullet and just say, we'll sign up for three years. We'll deal them next year. But it's, it's, it's unreal that you can have your top prospect come over, and then you'll be gone before they even know it. So uh, that might just sour on other situations. Um, but as usual, we always want to know what you guys think. Throw that down in the comments below. Um, do you think is going to get the deal that he wants? You think Arizona's going to keep the Coyotes? We got a lot of those. So, and always, don't forget to put the thumb over Anthony's face and say, like, our videos. So, (laughs) um, (laughs) (laughs) all right, guys, we're going to do a couple of honest press conferences. And, actually, I just noticed there was all three of them. So, I hope you guys are
1: ready. Connor, just can you give me your sense of kind of where where the group is at? Once again, my teammates come up short.
0: Welcome back, everybody, to the Big Apple Hockey Honest Press Conferences, where we say what the athletes, executives, um, hell, even uh, entities like Rangers Twitter wanted to say. Um, actually, thought that was going to come out funnier on the Rangers Twitter, but you know it didn't. <laughs> uh, so that that's why I ended up getting scrapped in the short version, and um, I we got. A couple guys that are going to be showing up in a minute. Yeah, we'll start with this one. We're going to start with Mr. John Fulkowski as John Davidson.
1: So, my time as Rangers president uh, came to an end. And now I'm back with Columbus, enjoying my time there. And now all of a sudden I see that my former general manager, Jeff Gordon was on a podcast with um, Cam Jansen and Andy Strickland. And they were talking about what was going on with the Rangers behind the scenes with the whole Tom Wilson incident and that all process. Um, I can tell you right now, a lot of the things that you guys thought that you knew, you don't know at all. We were trying to get toughness together in uh, – New York and there's a whole lot behind the scenes that will eventually come out. And I think it's going to change the, uh, the light in which the fans see the current owner and the man who's in his ear. So if you guys have any questions, play them on me.
0: Uh, yeah, JD, um, are you still dwelling on the past or does it, really matter at this point you're just looking forward for the columbus blue
1: jackets come on man really really do you do you make a habit of asking these terrible questions to paint people in bad light like if i didn't know any better your name would be larry Brooks.
0: oh no oh no oh no that's that's just fighting words jd
1: yeah uh <laughs> yeah. I, I, that's what i would think you would be doing there because that that's what it sounds like you kind of you're trying to do is that your shtick or something uh, no no not,
0: not not trying to do that jd uh, no
1: no okay okay because well,
0: because all i gotta say fighting you would be just oh baby
1: so. yeah i was about to say i'll get i'll give you an oh baby to go on about but um you know um you know what? we're moving forward and now this whole thing comes up and now i'm gonna have to talk about this garbage again and and go into details about this because they got Jeff to go on. I, I know the questions are coming, so I guess I'm gonna have to get this out of the way and deal with the elephant in the room and deal with the nonsense and the drama. So I'm just gonna, you know, basically say it how it is. And if, um, a certain kid with it, well, because he is a, a gigantic kid with a silver spoon in his mouth doesn't like the fact that I'm coming out and saying these things, he knows where to find me and we could have a little chat. Um, I heard there's a certain man named Lamorello that likes to put horse heads in people's beds. I think I could call him up for a favor as I've been chummy with him over the years. So, um, James, if you're listening, feel free to call me, buddy. We, 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 we have, we have some things to talk about.
2: So JD, uh, you're back with Columbus. Um, you, you were with Columbus, the, the year where you know Bobrovsky and Panarin uh, informed you guys that he wasn't going to re, they weren't going to re-sign, um, and then you had, and then you had the issue with, with Pierre Luc Dubois. I know um, you were with the Rangers this past season, but you know signing the deal and then say you want to be traded, and he ultimately was. And then you have Seth Jones, who you know who said he was a year away from unrestricted free agency and said that he wasn't going to sign, and you know and he left too. So, are you are you concerned with how these star players are? essentially just been filing out the door in columbus, and how do you is it is it the city is it the the view of the of the ownership or like how how are you gonna fix this issue of losing star players who don't want to be there
1: oh well, it might be a combination of things um somebody asked um i overheard somebody asking which which city has a better nightlife columbus or new york um does it bear shit in the woods i mean, because – it's definitely new york and obviously anybody with a brain knows that um but that could be part of it you know people don't want to live in an area like columbus where you know there's not a lot to do especially if you're a younger guy um for the more family oriented ones who are settling down and have wives and kids and don't really care about that then maybe it's a better place for them um as opposed to Uh, what you're, it looks like you're trying to paint this as a culture problem. I don't know if that's really appropriate, but, um, and no, sir, um, New Jersey is actually the armpit of America. So we, we don't agree there, buddy. Um, yeah. Um, you're, you're looking at a situation in where there was some information leaked. I think it was last year. While I was not with the organization, and it was a bunch of anonymous players who didn't have the balls to come out and say who the hell they were, and basically basically painted our management in a bad light, saying, you know, basically saying that Yarmo was a my way or the highway type guy, and that they didn't value the players. And 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 you know what? If you're running a business, you're going to try to get the most production you could possibly get at the cheapest possible rate, correct? Because that's how you maximize profit, right? Mm -hmm. Okay. So when you have these players that think that they're worth set amount and they don't perform up to it and they want more, then you know what? Sometimes somebody's got to put the foot down. And if they don't like that, you know what? Just like Kevin Adams said to Jack Eichel, we want people who want to be here. We want people who want to win here. We want people who are going to change the culture in the locker room. Um, Again, like I said, I don't necessarily think that's fair, but maybe management can be tough on players because sometimes you have to be tough. And um, if they're not going to produce and they're not going to get us what we're looking for, you know what? It's, it's my job to look over and and look at Yarmo and say, Hey, maybe we need to move said player. You know, Panarin, that was an unfortunate thing. He he liked playing here, but he wanted to go elsewhere and you know what? I don't blame him. He didn't pull the snake move like a certain guy on Long Island did, but um he was upfront about it. Seth Jones is another one who was upfront about it. Um, I couldn't do a whole lot because I wasn't here for that, but I wish I was because I could have talked to Seth and maybe I could have maybe I could have helped him. But, you know what? We still have Zach Woronski. We still have Patrick Liney. We still have Alexander Texe. We still have pieces. We got a bunch of draft picks back. That Seth Jones trade was great for us. You'll you'll see how fast he falls off in Chicago with like no help around him, and a, and a thirty-seven year old goaltender that's not going to be able to save the world with no defense in front of him. That'll be interesting to watch. But um, you'll you'll see we're we're on a team on the rise, and we got to start you know from the bottom. It may be almost a bit of a scorched earth type situation, but. Eventually we'll get back to prominence and we're going to start winning playoff rounds. Just watch.
0: Well, thank you very much for joining us, JD. And I'm sorry that I was in your Chateau Bow Wow.
1: So yeah, <laughs> do a better job of staying out of the next time. Slappy.
0: <laughs> All right. So there was our John Fakowski as, uh, as John Davidson, who I would love to have a beer with that guy. That guy John J.D. is awesome. <laughs> but, uh, moving over to Islanders captain, Anders Lee, and it'll be brought to you by Anthony LaRocco. Thanks for having me on, guys.
2: Um, I haven't spoke publicly, um, you know, since the injury where I, I tore my ACL, but, um, you know, I've as you guys saw during the playoffs, um, I was back on the ice, and I was doing some pretty advanced things. Uh, I was ahead of schedule. My knee feels really good. Um, you know, I'm going to be heading back to Long Island uh, in the next week or so to start skating with some of the boys at uh, Northwell. Uh, so I'll be ready to go to training camp 100%. Um, and I just have to say, you know, it was it was tough to watch the guys out there battle without me going on the run they went on and getting to the conference final for the second year in a row and getting even closer this time. Um, you know, you're talking one, two goals away from going to the Stanley Cup finals. Um, I wish I could have been a part of it. Um, it really hurt to kind of, you know, be on the sidelines and, you know, essentially be helpless. But um, I'm proud of the boys and how they played. And I'm excited for this coming season, new year, UBS Arena. Uh, We're going to start on the road for about 13 games. You know, we're going to bond, get on a roll, and come back to a brand-new building. You know, me and all the guys are really excited about that. And, um, you know, I'm I'm happy to get back on the ice of Barzy and, you know, reconnect with my chemistry we had there. Um, I know Lou had to make a difficult decision to leave uh, ebbs unprotected and, you know, move out leads, um, you know, for more cap space you know, we we all kind of knew at the end of the year we weren't going to be able to bring back the whole team uh due to the cap situation. Um, but Lou has done um, you know, a fantastic job with creating more cap space for us and um, you know, I'm 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 really excited to uh to have uh uh Paul back. I mean, uh, I'm really excited to have um uh Pajot back, you know, cuz he hurt his uh he hurt his hand there in the in the conference finals. He um he wasn't himself uh that round, so I'm glad he's back to uh, being a hundred percent. And, um, you know, I was just uh, playing in, I normally play in the beauty league, um, you know, in the summer, but uh, I decided not to play this year, uh, just because of my knee, even though I'm good to go, I just didn't want to risk anything. Um, uh, but my boy Brock tore it up there. He's one of the best players in that league this year. And, you know, I got to see, um, I got to see Parise cause he was playing in that league. And, um, you know, from like me, he's from Minnesota and I'm, I'm really excited to, um, I'm really excited to play with uh, A this season. I'm, I'm really – I'm just really excited to, you know, how me and I got to play some golf together this summer. So I was really happy about that. Um, you know, Kuda, I wish him luck wherever he ends up. But, you know, I'm, I'm I'm really excited for the coming season. Uh, be back on the ice, the boys. And, um, you know, watch out for us because we're going to make it back to the conference finals. And this time we're gonna we're going to go all the way. I'll take
1: some questions, guys. Anders, how ex- how close exactly were you to being back and it, it was kind of an improbable look for you to be skating as early as you were so um, how ex- how exactly like how close were you really to, to being back with the team there
2: uh, you know pretty pretty close I know um, I heard some fans talking you know read social media they're saying oh they, they I only should pull a Willis Reed moment I should have led the team out for warm-ups in game seven. Um, honestly, if, if the, if the Stanley cup finals was like one, one week later, um, that probably could have been a, that probably could have been a realistic issue, a realistic, uh, plan, I should say. Um, I don't know if I would have been able to play the whole game, maybe just do like a shift or two like Stamkos the year before. Um, but I was, I was close. I was close and, um, and it hurt to see the guys lose one, nothing, you know, I'm hard on myself and I just can't help but think, you know, if I'm playing that game, you know, maybe... You know, my big body gets a piece of puck in front. And so I really stung, um, really stung. But, um, you know, I'm, I'm really excited to be back on the ice uh, fresh with the boys uh, this coming season. And uh, like I said, with having um, having some new faces or maybe not new faces, you know, we'll, we'll see.
0: But I'm really excited. Anders, um, can we at least announce that you're going to be back? Because we can't announce that there are any free agents or anything signing uh i mean i know you're under contract but i mean what can you tell yeah. us about you yeah i'm re-
2: i'm ready to go um i'll uh
0: i'll be activated
2: off uh injured reserve uh like i said i'll be ready for training camp um no but lou you know lou is lou um you know lou is uh he's the mafia boss man you know he's uh he does he does what he wants and um no i i talked to trots and you know, I talked to Lou about, you know, I listen, I don't have any input he does what he wants, but he, you know, he kind of talks to me being on the captain of the team and he, and he asks me, Hey, you know, what do you think? Um, you know, if I, if I sign Zach Parise and I said, Oh, you know, Zach, Zach's a great guy. He's from Minnesota. Uh, he had a rough time there being phased out, kind of hurt his confidence, but he'll bounce, he'll bounce back. But, um, uh, you know, I'm really, I'm really happy that we signed Zach Parise and oh, no, nah, sorry, I slipped up. I'll, I'll, I'll i retract that statement. Now don't don't don't. I, I don't I don't need anybody knocking at my door or whor- okay yeah sorry. Um, <laughs> so yeah no I, I I messed up. I was just screwing you guys. He didn't he didn't he didn't sign Bree. He's I think I think he's signing a PTO with the Sharks. Why um, <laughs> not? You know I, I'm I'm <laughs> I'm ready to go um, and I have all the confidence in uh, in Lou. Um, he, he's, he's a great guy and, um, you know, he, he likes to, you know, what can I say? He's a stereotypical Italian, you know, he's but he's awesome. He, he really is.
0: Well, Anders, thank you very much for joining us. Cause, uh, it's been a pleasure and I'm sorry that you had to watch that entire playoff run, but I'm happy <laughs> you didn't watch the Islanders win. So. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. All right. And lastly, it got to go with the King uh henry clonquist that'll be me you know endings never are the way you're supposed to do it in sport or it never careers never end the way that you think in sports or the way you want them to very few guys ever get the walk mm-hmm. off into the sunset and um i i wish it was the case uh, i wish i was at madison square garden giving um, my retirement speech after winning the Stanley Cup after this team got all the way back. But instead, you know, circumstances happened. Uh, I was bought out last year. And uh, they found they found uh, some problems that I was having health-wise. And th- you could say that I'm retired because of... You know, heart issues, but I can tell you, I retired from a broken heart because I still wish I was a New York Ranger right now. And you know what? That's the only jersey I ever wore officially. Uh, I it was the first one I had in 2005, and uh, I earned my way to be a star on the New York Rangers, playing in the world's most famous arena in front of the greatest fans of all time, and. Sure, there are people that want to go off and go, oh, he's king, king nothing. Well, first off, that's like a mediocre uh, Metallica song. Secondly, which I can play very well because I'm an accomplished guitarist. But it's also, did you see the defense I had in front of me for years? Michael Roosevelt was my best defenseman. But I'm not here to throw other uh, guys under the bus. I mean, sure, I had Ryan McDonough in the, in the early 20-teens. And Dan Girardi was a nice bot. Mark Stahl showed some promise. But, I mean, come on, people. Is see what I had to work with? But I'm not going to throw anybody under the <laughs> bus whatsoever. I, lo- I love everybody that I had. Uh, the goal scorers that I had on my team, on my roster, you know, for those three years when Yager scored uh, when Yager scored 50 goals, when uh, Marion Gabrick scored 40 twice and Rick Nash had 40 once. Yay. That was it people. You know who I had to work with? It was basically Henry. Can you please stop everything in front of us? But you know what? That's what I had to do. And you know what? I am grateful. I had that opportunity to do that at Madison square garden in front of the greatest fans in the world. And you know what? There are those people that are critics, like uh, I don't know, um, people on an upstart YouTube channel that have an Islander guy on there that'll go, "Oh, well, he really didn't win a championship, so he's not all that good." Well, you know what? How <laughs> you know, hard did to win one? Just ask Jerome McGinley. So it's uh, it, you went just ask Ray Bork. Ray Bork only, only had uh, his last shot at it. So people give me a break you know how many pucks to the head i took for three years just for three years 15 years because i took so many pucks to the head people i'll take some questions but by the way i just want to say this from 2015 to 2012 you couldn't find a better playoff performer yeah i had a few bad games in 2015 give me a freaking break people
1: Henrik, aside from the obvious not winning a cup, is there a regret that you have with your career, whether it's not playing in a certain location or not playing with a certain teammate or you know maybe winning another Olympic gold or so on?
0: You know, I know this is usually a humorous segment, but I think if there's anything, I wish I never left the New York Rangers, but I do... I would probably regret never having a chance to play a game with my brother, Joel. I mean, sure. I mean, we're twins, but you know, one of us is one of people magazines, 50 most beautiful people. Uh, (laughs) But that, that would have been great to have, to have him come to us and play because Joel was uh, a, a good player, a good player in his own right. And it was, it was great to play against him. and it was the most nervous I ever was playing in an NHL game. And that includes game sevens. So, Henrik, um, obviously it was reported that you, you started
2: training this summer with your intent to, you know, play and land on a team. Um, well, there – what what teams were – had, you know, interest uh, in you? Was there mutual interest? I know obviously last year you signed with the Capitals. You never got to play for them. But, um was there a union there or, you know, were you going to go to another team? What what teams were you looking at before uh, you had to really
0: stop doing what you were doing? There were teams that were calling me because they've seen my resume. They know what I could do. But it, it's, it's so hard for me to think about wearing a different jersey. Um, I, I knew I was going to do it with the Capitals and then I – because, you know, my buddy Alexander Ovechkin was was trying to convince me. But it, it was very it was very difficult. Uh, I had so many great years in New York, and I'm so grateful. But it's just I don't think I could play for another team. And it was going to be difficult uh, probably taking some time off from my health situation. So it's uh, – it, I, I just – I couldn't do that. I, I had a great career. I was blessed to be where I was. That's, that's what it will come down to. And I hope every single day, Ranger fans knew I tried to carry myself uh, the to be the best face of this franchise they could possibly ask for.
1: Thank you, Henrik. Long live the king. Long live. Thank the king. you,
0: Henrik. Not exactly
1: our funniest sketch ever, but
0: <laughs> it was still that's that's that sort of that sort of who Henrik was. Henrik was Sometime you gotta, sometimes
1: you got to sometimes you got to throw it for a loop, you know.
0: Yeah. By the way, actual quote, I believe he he did say the most nervous that he was was playing against Joel.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I, I, um, I heard an interview a while back saying that. And that's
0: that's amazing to me. I mean, I'm surprised, like, the maybe the competitive urges got on there. But, by the way, what do you guys think? Um, Henry Glundquist, appreciative about playing in New York City. Uh, John Davidson won the layup people's elbow on James Dolan or <laughs> Andrews Lee. Uh, is he going to have a horse in his bed from accidentally leaking some information? Put it all down <laughs> in the comments below. Um, guys, I know we usually ask about editorials, like who's going to come up next or anything, but I'll start us off. Cause, um, actually, you know what, Phil, you got yours ready. Yeah. oh um, yeah, um, no, let me switch things up. Let me start you off first. Uh,
1: Going then there's no. I'm looking at you. I'm gonna hear the movie. name, and I'm gonna get PTSD. But the queen rise to the top? Oh yeah! Oh yeah! Oh yeah! But um, uh, I I draw a parallel with Henrik Lundqvist to a man who was also the epitome of class, dominance, and consistency in his sport and that's legendary Mariano Rivera, the great Yankees closer, probably the greatest relief pitcher in the history of baseball. Um, every time that you were out there, that you, you the Yankees had the lead, you knew that Mariano Rivera, the minute that Enter Sandman came on, that game was done. And opposing batters, were probably soiling themselves when they heard that music. Because even though they knew that there was one pitch that they were going to get, odds are they weren't hitting it. That bat was going to be splintered. They were going to foul pitches off until eventually he got his way and asserted his will and either struck them out or forced them to ground out. Maybe even a pop-out. While Mariano was not perfect, nobody ever is, Neither was Henrik Lunquist, but we're going to see in the years going forward that Henrik Lunquist was exactly what Mariano Rivera was to the New York Yankees for the New York Rangers. I mean, i I, I mess around with the with the John Butcher-Gross, um analogies that he would use he used to make on NHL tonight where he he dropped the uh, the musical references. what Eddie Van Halen is to Van Halen, Henrik Lundqvist is to the New York Rangers, something like that. You know, and Henrik was that. He was, he was dominant. He was consistent. He was, he was a surefire thing. If you had Henrik Lundqvist in net going into a game seven, you knew that you had arguably the greatest game seven goaltender in the history of the NHL. You want to argue, Patrick Well, Okay, fine, understandable. But if you've taken one look at Henrik Lundqvist's Game Seven stats, or stats where he's in games facing elimination, ask the Washington Capitals about that. Ask the Pittsburgh Penguins about that. I mean, he—he he, this guy, this guy was traumatizing the, the Capitals uh, and Penguins and and their fans just because he he was in their heads. He was stopping them. He was a brick wall, and we love Igor Shostakhin. We love what he. we think he can be, but he most likely will not be a Henrik Lundqvist. Just like when Rafael Soriano took over for Mariano Rivera, this is Igor Shostakhin taking over for Henrik Lundqvist, and there's a lot of pressure to put on Igor Shostakhin being the guy that fills in the shoes of the greatest goaltender in Rangers history. So when somebody had to answer that call and get in that net and play that elimination game, you felt confident. I was there for game six against Montreal in 2014. Tell you right now, I felt confident. But when Kovalov stood up and ripped off that jacket, that building shook when he showed that 94 final shirt. I'm still getting chills right now talking about that. I am still getting chills. And the goal was scored after Henrik made the save. When he made that save, I knew we weren't losing that game. And there might not be another one ever like Henrik Lundqvist ever again. So we were spoiled with the best Rangers goaltender of all time. And I I think there are a lot of Ranger fans out there who have a lot of bad things to say about him certain sect of Ranger fans, for whatever reason, have the worst things in the world to say about this man. And he didn't make this team to this short of a cup. So good luck with Igor Shostakovich. Because honestly, I, I love Igor. I love the potential. But we better hope that there's a team in front of him. Because we've seen what happens when you have an elite goaltender and you don't put the proper team in front of him. You fall short.
0: I think about Henrik Lundqvist, I think about a lot of the things Mariano was. Your your comparison, Mariano is pretty good. Um, yes, Mariano is um, – I use the word arguably because it is up for debate, but for my money, he's the greatest uh, closer of all time. Um, Henrik had a uh, just under a two goals against in game sevens. If my life was on the line, I trust him with a game seven. <laughs> and um, the I, I want to trust the Rangers' offense. That's a different story. And, and pick a pick a year, but it's just basically you gave him one goal, and that's the funny thing about that. I I, I still think that win against Montreal, the one you're talking about, that game felt like it was ten nothing to me. I was not scared for one moment, and I know that there. Was, I I completely forgot there was a post-it. In the third period, but it's Henrik wasn't letting in a goal and he was at his best after he was at his worst. When he got pulled, his goals against is microscopic. So, um, but also 13 consecutive years of 20 wins or more, 13, that's a minimum of 260 wins and that's his first 13 seasons. He wasn't bad to start and then got good. I mean, he was just like Mike Richter. He came in good. So, and again, like we said in our first segment, he conducted himself much like Mariano. Mariano was was epitome of class. I mean, Mariano was closer to Brian Leach because he was more um, uh, under the radar and, and low key. Uh, Henrik was closer to Derek Jeter, but it was, uh, yeah, well, I mean, obviously Sandman, because he has the championships to to back it all up. So you're right about that.
1: He's the greatest at his position, but yeah,
0: Anthony. I mean,
2: long. To, to, I don't know what else I could say. Um, Longquist, uh, he was like he was. He made the Rangers go. I mean, for a while there, they had some teams that were good but weren't great, and he brought them to a level where. Any other goaltender probably couldn't to be honest with you. Like the other made the Stanley Cup Finals, um, 2015. I thought Lundqvist was was phenomenal for them both years. That was the thing. He like you compare him to Richter. Yeah, Richter got a cup, but you know he played in front of a better better d- defenses. Lundqvist didn't have that luxury, um, and he was still an elite goalie. So you know, again, there's nothing else I could say about Lundqvist. You know, he's he was everything to the Rangers. He was—he's elite. I'll go down as one of the best. And, and as an Islander fan, you—you you know, couldn't really couldn't really hate him because he was just a guy that you, you you can't hate. And then plus, like later on in his career, like even not even later, the Islanders fared pretty well against him. So I think that took away the it took away the level of ever hating Henrik Lundqvist. But um, f- phenomenal goalie.
0: Also, by the way. Think about it like this. Name three of the best players you can think of over the last 15 years. And I'm going to go with 15. Sidney Crosby, Alexander Ovechkin, Evgeny Malkin. He saw those guys every single year. And think about how much more winning uh, Ovechkin could have done if he could have gotten by Lundqvist. They Barry Trotz even said it. You have, a, you have a feeling that we're going to have to go through New York and then the Rangers uh, – didn't make the playoffs in 2018. Because that's just how how it was working. And um I, I if if we're lucky, so Sturkin is half as good as Lunquist. Yeah. And and he, just because there are so many factors that get in there when people don't get to the ultimate prize and people want to say, Oh, he didn't win a championship. Ted Williams is less of a great player. Dan Marino is less of a great player. I was
1: just going to say Marino, but Ted Williams is a really good one, too. Ted Williams might even be a better example than Marino.
0: Right. I mean, and and sometimes these guys will their, their teams on there. It's so difficult. And trust me, if the Rangers could have showed up in either Game 5 or Game 7 versus Tampa Bay, uh, we're having a different conversation. If the Rangers d- didn't lose Matt Zuccarello in the first round that year, we're having a different conversation. Uh, you know, if, if they if if you called it goalie interference, we're having a different conversation.
1: The the game three overtime wrister from Kucherov. I mean, if if that shot doesn't go in, you know that that that's a that's a two one series heading into to game four for the Rangers, and they won game four decidedly. Yeah. You forget how good he was in that series because he was bad in two and three. He, he yeah, he, that, I mean that's the only time where I could ever say that Henrik Lundqvist wasn't himself. There, there's two series that I, I look at and I, I say it wasn't. It wasn't himself. It was the Tampa series, and Tampa actually had his number if you look at his regular season numbers against them that year. And then the Ottawa series in 2007. But considering all the other times that he dragged their asses there, like I, I'm, I, you, what are you going to say? What are you going to say? You're going to blame Henrik for that? No, I, I mean, like I said, he wasn't himself. But no Lungqua, I mean, uh, no McDonough or McDonough on a broken foot, and no Zuccarello. And if you have those two healthy, that's a different series.
0: And uh, just to address this, Justin blew too many leads. Uh, yeah. John's talking about the Ottawa series. Let's go with the Ottawa series for a minute. First off, you know who blew those leads? Elaine Vigneault. You can't put on for two minutes and 30 seconds. You can't sit Brady Shea in a two-goal game forever. Henry Glundquist in game five, I believe it was, literally dove across the ice, throwing his hands up just to, just to stop it, uh, just to stop a shot. And he, and he stopped it. Great save. Highlight real save. And then mm-hmm. you wonder why he's exhausted, and uh, Derek Brasard ends up tying the game. And, and, and Gerardi, Girardi
1: yeah Girardi. Jan Girardi, yeah, Jan Girardi getting walked in overtime, falling down by Kyle Turris. I mean, like, that's the thing. I mean, Girardi fell again against Justin Williams in Game One of the of the the Stanley Cup Finals in 2014. I mean, again, another one. If you have Michael Sauer, Az brings up a good point. If they have Michael Sauer in in 2012, you're you're looking at Stu Bickle not playing at all instead of playing a minute and a half per game. And you're looking at a solid defenseman that that's in oh. your, yeah.
0: Oh, by the way, sorry, Justin, I didn't see the other one. Uh, not Henry. No, no,
1: it, it, it's it's it, it, it's not his fault. I mean, he wasn't himself, but his team, the team, didn't help him out.
0: But again, uh, if you want to go back to the Mariano moment, him catching that puck with his armpit is still one of the greatest saves I've ever seen. He didn't have a stick, and he and he made that save on Paul Martin. That was just amazing. By the way, AZ, uh, you're supposed to message me. You were uh, either on Twitter or Instagram, but I never heard from you. Um, so, <laughs> by the way, guys, what do you think? Is it a fair comparison to put Henry Lundqvist, Marion, or Vera? Uh, put it all down in the comments below. Also, obviously, like, share, subscribe. Um, yeah, what if we kept Strawman? That's going to be t- a good me. one, Joe. Joe, we got a bunch of good what ifs that are coming up. So, all right. Uh, Anthony, do you want to go first? Or do you want me to go first because it's going to be another Ranger one. You can go. <laughs> shut up, Mark. Just shut up. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. Here we go. Uh, wait. There it is. We're going on the mark. This prediction that's right to, up here. Uh, being single most of my life. Or just yell at Larry Brooks like every other New York <laughs> right Obviously, today we've talked about Henrik Lundqvist and. Um, we're talking about another guy who meant something to New York City, not just to an organization. And last night, the New York Mets paid tribute to Rod Gilbert, putting up his picture and having a moment of silence before the game. Obviously, this would happen at a Ranger game if he was uh, if there was a Ranger game that was on right now. But Rod Gilbert was so much more than just a hockey player. He was a guy that came in, embraced everything about New York City that you possibly ever could. For starters, it was a career that almost never happened. He uh, fell on, I think they said it was a beer cap or something that was on the ice, fell, collided with the boards, and shattered his leg. And um, they I think he had end up having surgery for that, ended up going going back. Working his way through an injury, playing through junior hockey under um, Emile Francis, his future coach, as well as playing with his childhood friend, John Rattel. And again, he he just worked his way back. And he was a force in the Rangers' first playoff series, uh, the first games he was playing with the uh, with the Toronto Maple Leafs. Uh, against the Toronto Maple Leafs, you know what I mean? Um, then Gilbert had success and then had another trial in the hospital. We'll we'll say it like that, where according to him, he could actually um, feel an outer body experience that he's dying on the table. And Emil Francis is saying, you come on, come on. I need him. He's my best player. I need him. I need him back. But, and, and eventually, you know, Rod, Stayed with us. We had the pleasure of having him for many, many, many more years. He was absolute grace on the ice. Uh, Just so fluid. Reading the game. um, Do you ever look at the pictures of of him on the ice? There's almost never a hair out of place when it was as short as mine. When it was nice and long, it was even, it, it was just even more picturesque. To watch him skate around. I mean, Rod Gilbert came from Montreal. He was a kid from Montreal, and he embraced New York City. Perhaps better than any uh, athlete ever did. Here's a quick story to tell you. This is how much he's loved. Um, Gilbert said in his first game, uh, or one of his first games against Gordie Howe, they said uh, hey watch out for number nine and he's thinking I've heard all these stories about Gordy Howe I mean what does he ever have against me he never wants uh, he doesn't have any problem with me so he goes out on the ice the next thing you know he's staring up at the ceiling and he has the smelling salts under his nose and he, and uh they say oh well um so what what happened it goes it was number nine. And so Gilbert said this comment uh, If there's anything I want to do, I want to live long enough to elbow Gordy Howe in the face uh, when he's in a retirement home. And years later, Gordy comes over, puts his arm around him. Hey, is there any bad blood between us? And Gilbert's going, No, not at all, Gordy. He says, Oh, because I hear you want to hit me in the retirement home. (laughs) Like, well, we'll see about that later. And then All all he wants to do is be able to give him a shot and say it was number seven that did it. Uh, Gilbert, Gilbert was cemented into New York City long after his playing days were over. There's a reason why he was the first number ever retired by the New York Rangers. There was a reason why he has this picture made for him by the famed artist Andy Warhol this guy was an infectious personality and we're able to reflect about on that right now and he truly is what it means to be a, a new york ranger through and through and um as henrik longquist showed us and a great example he was what kept us from the past kept us it was our connection to the past and what always let us know that's the guy you want to emulate. That's who you want to be sort of like how the New York Mets always had Tom Seaver sort of like how the, the New York Jets have Joe Namath. Well, Joe Namath had a couple problems, but that's, but still, I mean, that's the way you always look at those guys. All right. Your thoughts, boys.
1: I mean, I've, I've said everything I could say about this man. Um, one thing I, I just remember was just seeing him at games and just cheering on the team so hard, like it was like he was still on the team, and it, it, it just you knew this team meant something to him. You knew the organization meant something to him. There aren't many guys like that anymore. I, I, I could I could truly say that. So um, I don't know what else I can really say that wouldn't be rehashing what I said earlier on, but. I, I that's one of the things that really sticks out to me about Roger. Perry.
0: I mean, it's, it's great to have players that will always let you know what it means to be in this organization, what it means to be a New York Ranger. Anthony, what would be a parallel guy that you would say for the Islanders? Is it, is it poppin Is it Trottier? I mean, honestly, it's, it's, it could be any
2: of those guys from the Dynasty years. I mean, Pat Fenn tried to, I mean, Bobby Nystrom. Bobby Nystrom, for the longest time, was called Mr. Islander. You know, he scored the goal for the – they won the first cup, and he was just one of those guys. Who, he did anything he asked him to do on the ice. Great in the community. Um, so, I mean, I lean towards him, but it could be any of those guys. Any of those guys that play in the Dynasty teams. I mean, they, they, they fit the bill. You know, Roger Bell is exactly that for the Rangers, you know, like I said before, you know, when you think New York Rangers of the past, you think Roger Bear, you know, Andy Bathgate, uh, uh but Gilbert is the guy,
0: so he's definitely going to be missed. Because Gilbert, this was his home long after his playing days were over. Yeah, he did charities everywhere, Garden of Dreams. Uh, he was, uh, he had a tweet put out from the NYPD yesterday appreciating everything that he's always done it's just it's just it's it's amazing
1: the life yep. that somebody
0: could always lead and it goes to show you first off by the way it goes to show you that if you get injured and you persevere you go through this like like roger bear beat death and came back yeah. and, and played nhl hockey and was an impact on this city and uh just one more time i'm gonna break out this quote Which was, um, I'm a city person. I grew up in Montreal. After traveling around the U.S. and the world, I discovered New York City was the greatest city in the whole world. And I'm very, very fortunate to have played my career there. Take notice uh, other New York athletes. There's a reason why it's a privilege to be here. And And I'm a hometown guy by saying that i have no problem being a homer so what are your thoughts what are your memories about roger bear did you ever meet roger bear uh i mean i i haven't seen mikey bx yet so i know he's the stick boy he must have met roger bear so uh throw that all down in the comments below and uh we're gonna move on to of course anthony you ready to go yeah all right everybody welcome to the rock
2: they just do what they always do. Why is he putting you know,
3: like- Leo Komarov on the first
2: line? Like- Welcome to the Rock. So, as you guys all know, this is an Olympic year. Um, and we actually should be getting, I think, an a answer sometime soon whether or not NHL players are going to the Olympics for sure, making 100%. I you know it's speculated, and when they released the schedule, they accounted for the Olympic break, but it um, hasn't been finalized. And uh, they didn't go four years ago. And I think back to the year where Zach Parise scored the tying goal um, in the last seconds, and I just remember that feeling going nuts because you you wanted your country to win gold. Um, Hasn't happened in a long time. I remember that feeling. I was ecstatic only for Crosby to crush every American's dream with that goal on Ryan Miller, which, you know, I think he would like to have back. I think Crosby surprised him a little bit. But that feeling that when Parise scored that goal was amazing. And it just makes me want the USA to win gold so badly if they go. But I look at Canada's potential roster, and I'm not sure we could beat the Canadians. Um, you know, just, they, they they are so stacked at pretty much every position that, you know, for instance, Mike Mike Johnson, some of the guys on TSN, on this is from July 28th, they were kind of like making – uh, like a mock Canadian roster, and I'm going to read this to you, and you tell me if Team USA can compete with this, because I'm, I'm not I'm not so sure that they can. So Mike Johnson's roster was um, left wings, Brad Marchand, Jonathan Huberto, Ryan O'Reilly, Sean Couturier. I mean, we all know what Marchand is, a pest, a hell of a goal scorer, plays a gritty game. Huberto, amazing player. We all see what he's doing the last couple of years. Silky mitts, just he does, he does finishing scoring goals. He do it all. Ryan O'Reilly, so he did for St. Louis. After getting out of that hell, Buffalo, he just – he became a hell, of a hell of a player defensively. Fierce forechecker, checker face-off guy, kills penalties, could score goals. And then you have Sean Couturier, who is one of the better defensive forwards in the league and could score goals. Centers, he has Crosby, McDavid, McKinnon, Point, and Barzell. I mean, guys, do I have to say anything else further about that center group? I, honestly, I'm not even going to because it would be it would honestly be disrespectful to those players for me to break for, for me to break that all down. That that center depth is just it's disgusting, and there's nothing else that needs to be said about it. I could stop right there, and you know, say the rest of the rest of the team. Um, right wings: Patrice Bergeron, Mark Stone, Mark Shifley, Mitch Marner, John Tavares. I mean, again, for Bergeron, Selke winner, just phenomenal hockey player. Mark Stone. That's another Selkie winner, but could score 30 goals. Just Mark Shifley, you know, offensive Dynamo. Um, Mitch Martyr. we will see what he can do. I mean, he's an amazing player. And then you have Tavares, who even though I think the last year or so, is, I thought his, his game has, he hasn't he has been a dynamic, he's still a hell of a player. And then defense, on the left side, he has Shea Theodore, Adam Pellick, Morgan Riley, and Thomas Shabbat. I mean, that, that's, that's a good group. Morgan Riley, I don't really think that great, personally. I think he's not that good defensively, but I can see the value he brings offensively. Uh, we all know about Pellick. He's emerging as one of the best uh, shutdown defensemen in the league, so it's really nice to see him get that recognition. Um, and then the- 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 Theodore is awesome, and Shabbat's really good offensively. On the right side, Peter Angelo, Makar, Hamilton, and Jared Spurgeon. Um you know, again, that, that's, that's an impressive group. I mean, Cale McCarr along with Adam Fox, one of the best young defensemen in the league. Uh, Peter Angelo can still bring it. Hamilton, we just discussed earlier. Um, you know, he's a good defenseman. And then in goal, which we, we've – the three of us have talked about this. Carey Price, Marc-Andre Fleury, and Darcy Kemper. Um, Fleury's getting older. You know, Price, you know, he, he's good, but he's getting up there too. But he showed that he can still play at a high level in the finals. Um. But, boys, this 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 roster that Mike Johnson laid out, I don't know if the United States could top that. I mean, I'll listen to your thoughts. But, um, and listen, we still have, you know, Austin Matthews, Patrick Kane, you know, Connor Hellbuck and Goal. You know, I get it. It's a good team, and they're, they're deep. But that center group I read to you there before, Crosby, McDavid, McKinnon, Point, Barzell, I mean – one of them is either going to be a scratch or have to move to an off wing. I mean that it's just I think sadly it's too much for our boys to to realize the dream and, and win gold. I, I hope I'm wrong if they go, and I hope I hope they could they could do it. But that's a that that's a steep, talented
0: Canadian team that we're going up against. And also, by the way, our own center depth is going to be a problem because Jack Eichel is probably going to get surgery. He ain't playing in the Olympics.
1: Probably not. I mean, at the, at this point, if it doesn't, if it, something doesn't happen soon, he's probably not playing. Um, and that that that's a big thing for them. I mean, with Michael, they're they're a much more competitive team with Canada. That that forward group is stacked. Like Anthony said, the defense. I think USA can match them on defense. In goal, USA has a clear-cut advantage. You have, you have Gibson and Hellebuck over. Any of those three goaltenders right now. I'm taking I'm taking those guys. But, um I, I just can USA hold Canada to two one games, three two games, and keep it close and play a tight knit defensive game against them? It's it's gonna be tough with that kind of depth. It really is. Can you
2: can you imagine the the, the five man power play unit that Canada could throw out there? I mean they, they could they I mean, they probably wouldn't do it because they're all centers, but they could put out McDavid, Crosby, McKinnon all together, all together on a on a power play, and, and still throw out a guy like Braden Point or you know, it's just it's just
1: it's. I would just imagine those three with Kale McCarr. I mean, it really might not even matter much who the fifth player is. <laughs> power play is disgusting. I
0: mean, that's 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 ridiculous.
1: I mean, you, you would have two absolute zone-entry monsters and guys like McDavid, McKinnon, and then Makar. Three, I should say, zone-entry monsters And those three. And I, either one of those three is just more than capable of absolutely backing opposing defenses off the line and gaining the zone with ease. But, I mean, Rick Rick brings up a good point. The USA, beat, the USA team beat the Russians in 1980. Yeah, anything yeah. – and it's it's a one game, it's a one games you know thing. And it's just like the old adage for football any given Sunday. But I mean I don't know, man. This this is this is something else. But I mean, like I said, if, if USA has a chance, the defense has got to be great and their goaltending's gotta be great because the forward group without Jack Eichel isn't looking good enough to compete with them. Um with Eichel, it's closer, but there's still a gap.
0: That's up putting a lot of pressure on Austin Matthews. Go ahead, Anthony. And and the, the the thing is
2: too is look at but so that Canadian team you're talking Patrice Bergeron and Ryan O'Reilly, Mark Stone, who are all three great defense like shut shutdown down guys. I mean, on top of being good offensively, that's that that's a tough task for the USA to have to face those shut down guys.
1: I mean, yeah. I mean, when you have two-way forwards that can score and shut down like that, I mean, you're literally you could put that 2016 World Cup of Hockey line back together, and they could be an absolute thorn in anybody's side. That line
0: and Crosby, yeah. Now, just uh,
2: on this same thing, um, Emily Kaplan from ESPN, um, I guess because she's American, like made her American team. She has Hellebuck, John Gibson, and Jack Campbell on goal, with Slavin, Rorinsky, McDonough, Hughes on the left side, McAvoy, Seth Jones, Adam Fox, John Carlson on the right side. And then the forwards, you have Matthew Kuchuk, Kyle Connor, Johnny Gaudron, Max Pacioretty as the left wingers, Austin Matthews, Jack Eichel, Dylan Larkin, JT Miller, Jack Hughes as the centers, and Patrick Kane, Jake Gensel, Alex DeBrincat, Blake Wheeler, and Brock Besser on the right side. I mean – that's still an, an – like, that's an impressive oh, – yeah. that's an impressive team. But – Did they announce
0: USA's coaches?
2: I know – I know uh, Cooper and Trotz are the coach head coach for Canada. Canada. I don't know if the United States um, named a coach yet. Uh, maybe they did, and I, I missed it. Um, but – no, that that that's a good group there. But I mean, when you when you're talking McDavid, McKinnon, Crosby, I mean that it's just it's just a lot of talent. And I I know someone wrote 1980 the USA beat Russia, but that was different. It it was different, you know. Well,
0: that look, because that was different because Herb Brooks was doing it for about two yeah. years. And obviously, to...
2: anything can happen. Anything can happen. I mean, neither of these countries can win. You know, Russia or Sweden can win or whatever, but. It's just going to be tough that this Canada team is probably the most talented team they've had in, in a while. I mean, that team right there that Mike Johnson laid out, I mean, it's. I think it's better than the gold medal team in 2010, for sure. Just, just in the fact that Connor McDavid wasn't there alone. I mean, and he's the in a talent like that.
0: I mean, that's, yeah. that's, that's unbelievable. And you know what? Um, the USA did name a coach, by the way. It's Mike Sullivan. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So. I don't know how I feel about that. <laughs> I, I thought it was a different groan you had for a second. And I was like, no. Oh. Yeah, so, yeah, I mean, I...
2: so if they end up sending NHL players to the Olympics, that's what our boys are up against. And you know, that's that's just a tall, that's a tall order. And you can't you can't discount the the Russians either. I mean, the Russians are going to have Vasilevsky – you know, Varlamov, and then probably me and John talked about this after you left you know, when you guys came. Probably either Shesterkin or Sorokin as the third goalie on the team. But I mean, which at which point won't matter because Vasilevsky will probably play all the games anyway. Mm. But I mean, Russia is going to have probably the best goaltending of, of the bunch. And even them, their forward group, I mean, they're older now, but you have Ovechkin, you have Malkin. Datsuk's still playing in the KHL, so Datsuk will probably be there. Um, you know, Kobyltchuk probably play there too, even though he's not the same player he used to be. But you know, Kaprizov, Kuznetsov, you know, and then they have whatever guys playing in the KHL that they'll probably like likely add to their team. Nikita Kucherov. So that's that's another team that could pose a lot of problems too. Yeah,
0: no
1: Panarin for Russia. That could be that could possibly be a problem.
0: And that could be a good thing for everyone else. So we should oh, yeah. make him an American citizen right now. Yeah, please. Yeah. All right, so guys, yeah, what do you think about uh, USA? Has chances against Canada and Canada's outrageous depth. Um, what are the what other teams are the teams you looking for in the Olympics? Throw down in the comments below, guys. And of course, like, share, and subscribe. Uh, first things first for me. Uh. Yes, George, if you didn't see me in the comments below, you were 100% right. Let me just go back to that. It was uh, right here. Gilbert broke his back down his leg. He glided into the, the, the boards. He needed some back surgery. He ended up having to wear a harness on him that wasn't comfortable. But he eventually adjusted and got um, got there all the time. So um, one bit of news that I threw out there for you guys uh, this week was Joshua Sang signing a PTO with uh, the Toronto Maple Leafs. Anthony, does he make that team? I don't
2: think so. I mean, they may – they'll probably – maybe they keep him. Uh, sounds like a two-way deal, and he plays for the Marlies, and if he impresses, he, he works his way up. Um, but that guy's a non-story. I mean, he's 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 talented, but – he doesn't have any there's no there's no brains there. It doesn't seem like there's a work ethic there. I mean even the two the two teams he played for in, in Sweden this year, he got they they left it because they said that his, his his work ethic was was bad and they let him go. So I, I don't I don't see him sticking.
1: Yikes. Phil yeah.
0: Chris by the way, Chris asked you this question, Phil. Did uh, Nigel Dawes become a citizen of Kazakhstan?
1: I'm not really sure. I'd have to look into that. I, I don't really have the answer on that. I'm sorry.
0: Back to hosting.
1: Uh,
2: nothing else to say about that guy. He's
1: yeah. I, I.
0: He's until uh, that guy becomes humbled and wants to work. No, he'll never make it anywhere.
1: Ta- talent, all, all the talent, and uh, just I, I say this: million dollar talent, ten cent head. That's his problem. He, he's just. He he's Indian. I I don't understand how someone can be that talented and just throw everything away because he just refuses to to grow up like that. To
0: to quote Herb Brooks, "You got a million dollar set of legs and a ten cent fart for a brain."
2: Yeah. Yeah. As far, so as, far as the rumor the rumor goes, there's really, there's nothing. really nothing. I mean, Derek Brassard signed with Philly today and. There was the thing with Jeremy Rutherford about you know, blues being interested in, in Mayfield this past week. But other than that, there's nothing. But you know what? The good the good thing is guys, we only have probably I mean, the, the calendar is gonna turn to September in what, like six days or so. So
4: Yeah.
2: Um that means you're talking camps open in September twenty second. So that's like three weeks the camp opens up. So yeah. Once we get into once we get into September, there there will be some talks about players signing PTOs, some remaining free agents signing. You know, maybe maybe you know maybe a move or two. So thankfully, it should it should pick up in the next uh, in the
1: next couple of weeks.
0: Uh, Zig is asking, "What's wrong, Philk?"
1: Got first dose of the vaccine yesterday. It's uh, definitely starting to hit me today. So uh, I didn't sleep well last night. Um, I thought I could kind of trudge through this. I'm trying, but it, it, it's definitely uh, – I felt, like, better when I woke up this morning. Um, I was definitely, like, achy overnight and stuff. And um, Yeah, it's just – yeah, dog days of the NHL season. Yeah, that's unhelping, too. I mean, I think we had
0: – We had a jam like activity. I mean, I talked about this before. I mean, I know we did our top ten list. I mean, we're trudging over three hours before we even answer our first question.
2: So Well, you know what? It took I, I when I got my first shot, I didn't I didn't feel any effects, but the the, the pharmacist told me that like he said 30 percent of people experienced symptoms after the first shot and then sixty percent of the people experienced symptoms after the second shot. So um, for me I just had the sight of the injection for the rest of that day. And like the next day, felt felt sore, but yeah, yeah I I couldn't I, I, I,
0: I couldn't lift my arm over here, yeah. and I felt fatigued as like, I, I, I felt
2: days. I felt fine. My my second shot is actually on Saturday, so I, I already told my men's league team. Depending on how I'm feeling, I might not be there on Sunday, because um, yeah, you know, I know.
1: Hopefully, they it say doesn't affect t- me. To 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 like drink a lot of water like the day before and the day of too that you get these it actually helps Yeah that's
2: what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna on Friday Um, I'm gonna drink a lot of water, but Yeah. um, But as far as the news, yeah, we got not much. So hopefully like I said, the next week, week well, two weeks, once we get into September, um things will pick up. And who knows, but with with how Lou basically did nothing this whole offseason. He's he's gonna probably give us a lot of content to talk about just on the Islanders alone in the next in the next two weeks because he's gonna he's gonna have to show his cards. He's gonna yeah. have to show his cards. He's gonna have to sign Sorokin. He's gonna have to sign Bobilia. He's gonna have to announce the contracts for Palmieri, Parise, you know Zajac. Even though that's gonna be insignificant, that'll probably be like seven hundred and fifty thousand. But um, so there's gonna be a lot of stuff to talk about just on them alone. So. That's that's a good thing.
0: Um, I'm just going to highlight this, just to be honest, about one thing. Uh, yeah. Uh, Ziger, I don't think I have the right to tell anybody else to do something. Except for obey the law. That's about it. Yeah. Um, if you want to get it, get it. If you don't, you don't. I got it. We all got it. We all got it on here. Yeah. Um, but if you're not, don't worry about it. And yeah, Shannon, you're right. Lou's just going to tell everything right away. Uh, Phil, what do you see? What do you? Yeah, it's just gonna be all in one shot. You'll find it opening night. All right. Honestly, probably,
2: probably first day of training camp. <laughs> yeah, but then you have like Matt Martin
0: skating with them and not and not announcing it. Well, that's what it, that's what it
2: was last year. Andy Andy Green and Matt Martin were at were at camp, but their contracts didn't get announced until like the day of or like the day after.
0: So. Um, Phil, what's your opinion on the bottom six? How do you see the bottom six working out?
1: Uh, I'll stand by this. The best thing I could I could say for the bottom six is you got to move Chris Kreider there. You you have to. Uh, I would put him with Filipedal and Barkley Goodrow. and Make that your third line. I agree. Barkley Goodrow could be like your Jesper Faust on that line. Um, they don't really have a real playmaker or play driver on that line, which is kind of concerning in a way. But if Philippito can turn himself into that type of player, that would go a long way. Uh, Chris Kreider, really, um, he would need to step his consistency up. And maybe that wake-up call being moved down to the third line help um, your 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 fourth line. I mean, I would want to see Morgan Barron there, but likely Kevin Rooney will probably be center, um, and then you, you have Reeves and Blay, and then. Maybe Dryden Hunt coming in, and uh, yeah. So I I, I would say that's probably what your bottom six is looking like. It remains to be seen whether they actually do that or not, though, because sometimes they let contracts dictate where a player plays, and that shouldn't be the case. But I have a feeling that that that's a possibility.
0: I, I like all those Baron uh, on the fourth line. There's a guy that I'm missing. Uh, Kevin Rooney is the one I'm missing. Uh, yeah, maybe him on the fourth line with Baron and um, uh, Blaze and Reeves comes in. Aaron and where again. Does, what about Julian Gauthier? That's
1: another one. Yeah, That's another I mean one. There, there's a there's a lot of guys to, to fit fit in there in that bottom six. Thanks, Shannon. I mean, See you Friday.
4: Take
1: Thanks. care, Shannon. But um. You no know, i uh I just worry about whether uh, where they could fit all these guys. I mean is Julian Gauthier gonna go on your third line or is he gonna be a fourth liner, or is he gonna be traded? I mean they they have decisions to make I mean AZ was saying something about they're targeting somebody and he and they're not sure according to who whoever he's you know whoever he says he knows um, yeah. but I, I I don't know what's out there other than Michael really maybe there's something we're not seeing I don't know.
0: I mean, I think you'd have to find a guy that's in a in a contract situation that could possibly uh, – either he's disgruntled or wants to be moved. They're, they're under-the-radar players that ask for trades that they're not formal, but they're – they. Just, I, I you try to figure out – read the tea leaves. I'm not sure who that guy currently is right now, and most of the time it's because you got to look at bad teams because guys on teams that – uh, like one guy, we would all take all three of us on either one of our teams right now, is Alexander Barkov. We take him right now in a heartbeat. He's one, not going anywhere. Yeah, what incentive does Florida have to trade him? And now that Florida is good, assuming they are what they are last year, I think. Well, here's, here's
2: the thing on here's the thing on Barkov. Even though they're going to be, he, he could be an unrestricted free agent this summer. So if he if he's not signed. By the time the season starts, and then let's say come trade deadline time, and he's not and he's not signed, do you do you um, you know hold on to him? Regard like you know, even if like which I expect him to be in a playoff on. So do you hold on to him and then maybe lose him for nothing, which would hurt. That losing Barkov for nothing would be like I don't just losing Tavares for nothing. So. Mm. I'm, well, I'm pretty sure they're going to handle- they're gonna get
0: a read on that before.
1: You- yeah, I, I mean it's a, it's a Columbus situation all over again. You have to weigh the the idea of getting the return, uh, you know, getting a good return for Barkov, or the playoff revenue and possibly losing him for nothing. That, that's that's really uh, that's really it. Um, I, 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 AZ, I like Dylan Garand. I don't know how ready he is or how close he is. I would imagine he's probably got to at least play one-year pro in Hartford when when he's ready. Um, He's not there yet. I don't don't think he's 20 yet. I'm not not really sure on that. I'd have to look that up.
0: Tyler um, Wall is a little bit closer.
1: Tyler Wall is closer. Um, I'm not really high on Adam Huska. I I don't think Huska is really an NHL caliber goalie. I think he's probably a a minor league starter slash maybe third-string goalie. Well, Keith Keith
2: can Kin- Keith Kincaid's the AHL
1: starter. You would think right now. I mean, right now you would think, but uh, I mean that that could change if Huska has unless a-
2: they because I don't I don't see them carrying three goalies.
1: That'd, no, That carrying three goalies again again like I, like we said this year would be stupid. So I, yeah. I see that. Um, I I don't think around is ready. I w- I would say probably two years. Hugo Olas, I I I don't see anything in him. I could be wrong there. Um, the goaltender they drafted this year was another another big guy. Seemed to like to draft goaltenders that are rather large in size in late rounds. Just try to take chances on them and see if they develop into something. So
0: what do you think I, about I, this I, idea of Barkley Goudreau playing center?
1: Possibly. I mean like, he has he, he does have a good face off percentage for his career. Um he's defensively responsible enough to play the position. He has played it before. So I mean it is possible, but
0: I think they're gonna want him for wing and then in emergency put him at center. I don't think they're gonna to want to get him at center.
1: But we'll Here's no the thing, the does, does does Philip Heatle project better as a winger or center?
0: That's where the question lies. Yeah,
1: that I think that's gonna we'll really figure that big. out the
0: last two years.
1: Yeah, I mean that's the key because I mean, that, and the Rangers have a big decision to make. I mean, they bridged him, and the bridge is nice, but you've got to figure out what he is and what level you think he can get to real soon. Because if he doesn't show you a whole lot this year, or he shows you enough to the point where you know what you think you can get value for him, but you don't see him as a part of your your core going forward, move him after this year while he has still one year left on his contract and under team control.
0: Which NHL goalie was known to be huge in size and successful? Uh Ben Bishop? Well, the other one, Olaf all oh, the goalie. And that was really I don't think good. Olaf was that big. I thought he was like 6'7. I thought he was the biggest goalie. No, ever.
1: Olaf Kolzick was not that big. All right. No, he, he, he was I think he was six three, Hold on, I'm looking it up right now. Sick, yeah, 224". I mean, if you want to look at big goaltenders, um, Devin Dubnik was was big. Um, Olaf Lindbaum, just a lot of injuries. Uh, I, I'm, I'm guessing that – and you know what? I didn't think they needed to take a goaltender there. I liked the Garand pick because it was a little later, and he was a guy who had real good numbers in the WHL. But um, Lindbaum in the second round when there were other guys available in that draft was just not something that I wanted them to do. Um hey we got Stat Boy Steven on.
0: And he's answered the question I always have on uh sorry, it is my Twitter. Uh that yeah, I... whether or not Hendrickson is AHL eligible. But no, uh he's not. You know what? You can you can throw that in there. He don't need to learn face offs. A lot of guys need to learn face-offs because I don't know understand why faceoffs are um are taken out of the league. Uh, by the way, hi, Poppy. And uh, I put my, the Twitter handle uh, back in there. Uh, Garand is a great prospect.
1: Yeah, that's Steven right there saying that.
0: And I'll check to see whether or not I got the DMs afterwards. I'm not going to do it during the broadcast.
1: Yeah, uh, I mean.
0: Uh, take a second.
1: Some of the guys that, that were taken right after Lindbaum. I mean, you're looking at. Cody Wild was taken by the Islanders two picks after Jack Drury, Scott Perunovich with St. Louis, who's probably going to come up and play in their lineup this year, and he's probably going to get power play time. Caitlin Addison for uh, Pittsburgh, but I think he's uh, he's in Minnesota because he was part of the uh, Jason Zucker trade. Um, who else? And David Gustafson in uh, Winnipeg is another one. I mean, but again, a lot of these guys are really young. But it just, to me, it just didn't make sense, um, considering that uh, really didn't. I guess they needed a goaltender, but I mean, with Alexander Georgiev and Igor Shusturkin ready, um, you know, you I don't know. But I, I do like Az's point there, Ryder Korzak. Um, I'm I'm on board with that one. I think that was a really good pick. I think he could be a good middle six forward for the Rangers. I like him. Um, Yeah, and I'm with Steven on this one. I like him more than Groovy too. Um, I'm very high on Brett Berard. I think Brett Berard is going to be one of those players that's going to come along, and he may not be a big-time offensive contributor, but Brett Berard is going to be one of those guys that's going to be a pain in the ass to play against. He's going to be a guy that's going to be a gamer, and he may even have a letter on his sweater one day. I, that's the type of player I think Burrard could be.
0: Oh, God. Galchenyuk or James Neal on a PTO? No. 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 Um, I was even one that was trying to talk about bringing Galchenyuk in. No. Five years ago That ship has sailed. You know, it's funny you just mentioned it, because I was going to say now that Broussard
2: is signed – the best unrestricted free agents left. It's very – I mean, you're talking James Neal, uh, Tyler Bozak, Artem Anisimov, Eric Stahl, Alex Chason, um, Ryan Ryan Donato, Bobby uh, and Ryan.
1: Here, here's the crazy part. Buffalo is under the salary cap floor by like almost $7.5 million. I think it's $7.3 million. Yep. They have to add salary, and then they have to worry about trading Jack Eichel on top of that. So I mean, they're going to have to retain salary. Yeah, but
2: Phil, remember, remember, uh, Rasmus Dahlin and Casey Middlestad are restricted free agents. So that they'll that seven million will get chewed up a lot by Dahlin alone.
1: Yeah, yeah, but you're, you're still moving ten million dollars in salary when you move Eichel. Um, oh, you're about
0: if you are talking if yeah, if you trade Eichel, yeah, yeah.
1: That's, if but, yeah.
0: Any reason for them to keep Michael and just spend him.
1: I, I mean, Adams might as well retain on him at this point. The only problem with that is is that if he retains, he's retaining for five years, you can't retain for one or two years. Um, I'm pretty sure Steve I'm pretty I'm 99.9% positive that's the case, but I mean Steven, I, I know you're watching so um, I would I would assume you would probably be able to, to tell me the answer on that. but I'm 99.9% sure that you cannot retain. For one or two years and stop, but um, so yeah, you gotta, and then LTIR. If Eichel's on LTIR, then they still have to get under the cap floor too. Yeah, I was I was correct. Yeah, so thank you, but um, that's well. That's
2: why um, if if they with regards to Eichel, like Vegas, because Vegas, if you send back Alex Tuck and another guy that, and another guy that makes you know, you know, let's say three, three or four million, you're talking 8 million, 10 million going out, but you're talking 8 million or so coming in. So it's not a, it's not a huge
1: deal. No, but you, you still have to get under the cap floor. Or you got have, you still have to get above. Maybe that makes it a little easier, but they're still under the cap floor at that point. If you do the math.
2: I, it probably really all depends on how much money, cause they have to sign. Dallen, Middlestat, and Yokiharu. So depending on how much they give those three guys, if that if that brings them to the floor just by re signing those guys, and then you make a trade with like like I said, Tuck and took something else for Eichel and you bring back, you know, eight million, then what? You're what? A million and a million and a half under the floor? I mean you could just sign a couple of guys to unrestricted free agents but, or whatever. And then here's the issue.
1: Do those guys want to sign with an organization like Buffalo right now with everything that's going on and how bad they're going to be? Uh, I don't know. Maybe they want a job. I mean, I, mean, I, I don't know. And, and Stephen brings up a good point. I mean, the Rangers, they don't really have a, a, a bad short-term contract send back because I mean that that I mean I wouldn't call that a salary retention trade. I just call that a, a leveling off if you if you will. But I, I get your point there, Steven. Um I, I just I don't know. I, I I really have a tough time seeing this trade made unless Buffalo is willing to retain a significant portion of Eichel Because they there they might have to. I mean if yeah. if you retain five million Dollars a year on Eichel for the next five years. And I don't think the Pagulas are going to want to do that. They do not care about the, the Sabres the same way they do about the Bills.
0: And Kevin Adams won't want to do that either. But keep going.
1: Yeah, I, I mean it's it's probably a bad contract from another team. Um the Rangers can't offload Truba, and that would hurt their defense as much as you know. I, I say that, that contract is is bad. I mean, he's still a, a positive defender. Uh, I mean, I would even go to say close to a plus on defense, but um, you're not moving that unless you move Kreider, and Kreider ain't gonna—he's not gonna waive for Buffalo. Same thing with Truba; they both have protection. They're—they're they're not gonna waive for that, especially Truba, considering that his his girlfriend—I uh, think she she has a residency here as a doctor. Do uh
2: do any of those remaining U F in? To you guys,
1: go over the names
2: again, yes. So, James Neal, Tyler Bozak, no, no. Galchenyuk, uh, Ryan Donato, Ryan Donato. Nikita, Nikita Gusov, Bobby Ryan,
0: Eric Donato is the only one that would even interest me in, in the slightest.
1: Bozak um, would be the only one that would interest me. I think Bozak could help the fourth line for cheap. Uh, he's a decent penalty killer. He plays center and wing, so he's flexible. That's really the one guy that I would say – I mean, his numbers have gone off, like, pretty badly over the last few years. But uh, I, I I think in, like, a fourth-line role, he could still help.
2: I'm, a, uh, I'm in see. agreement with Mark on uh, Ryan Donato. I mean, Donato had, what, four. 14 goals like two two years ago? Two years ago, he So had 14 the younger, goals as a young player.
0: player. And
1: Here, here's the problem. Donato is a tweener. He's not a good enough forward to be a top six forward. And he's not exactly your prototypical bottom six player. He's kind of like how Marcel Hosa was. So yeah. uh, do you go and give money to a player like that? Or do you go and and find someone who fits a role instead? And that's where Donato, he might end up having to take a hit contract wise. I mean, he's going to regardless just because it's this late and there's nobody that's really looking to make any signings yet. But I mean, if you're not good enough to be a top six forward and you're not like, even like someone like, he's like a poor man's version of Frank Frank, uh, Vitrano, if you ask me, uh, Donato
2: well' say so a lot a lot of these guys that are still free agents I know brassssard signed today but usually that's weird I mean they're probably going PTOs at this point for a lot I, I don't know I mean a yeah. guy like yeah, Ch- Chara if he decides to play Chara will will probably sign a contract um, and same thing with um Sammy Votnin. I can see Votnin getting a guaranteed contract not just the not just the PTO but everybody else on here like Erica Branton. <laughs> I mean Erica Branson I don't think is a good defenseman anymore. I mean he's he's probably PTO.
0: Um Steven could probably help us out with the some of these the low tier prospects. Uh Paiunemi is would he count as a um low tier prospect?
1: I would say a middle tier. I I I personally am higher on him than some might be. I know Steven's very high on him. Steven's actually talked to him personally, so mm-hmm.
0: Um, and also, Az saying Hunter Skinner as a low level prospect.
1: Yeah, Hunter Skinner is a lower level prospect. Um, I, I don't, I don't think Vegas gives up all of that. I mean, they're they're giving up what Haig, Tuck, Krebs, and they get Kreider in a second. I I, I can't see them doing that. And they didn't want to give up Krebs for Jack Eichel. I don't think they'd give up Krebs for that. No, it's a dream scenario. No.
0: Yeah. Oh, yes. Oh, I, I realize you're looking at Stevens. One, by the yeah, way. Sorry. By the way, Jalen, welcome to the show. I will say this right away: Are the Rangers going to suck next year? No. 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 Their team is going to be a lot better and a lot tougher, and a lot. It, first off, they're better coached. They're they're, before, uh, they're better coached.
1: Yeah, uh, I, I totally agree that the coach right away is going to make this team better. Um, hey, Johnny, by the way, uh, good to see you back. But um, I I would say that this team will probably be more balanced. There is a distinct possibility, I think, that it'd be better. And uh, honestly, if the three kids, Krasov, Kako, and Lafreniere, end up being like 20, 20, 40 players, I think you replace Pavel Buchnevich's production. And you end up balancing your lineup at more, But um, I like that one from Steven at the bottom.
0: Uh, Robertson for Kapari?
1: Yeah, I-, I think that would help out both teams big time. I think the Rangers might have to go Jones for Kapari to make that work. I think L.A. may not value Robertson the way that they would uh, value um, jo- uh, Jones. But the only thing with that is that uh, L.A. just took Brent Clark. So if, if Brant Clark, he needs some work on his skating because he's got a very awkward uh, stride and mechanics. But uh, in, in terms of all the talented defensemen in the draft offensively, Brant Clark is the most talented offensive defenseman to come out of this draft. So if, if he pans out, he can be a real – he could be a top-notch point producer. So maybe, maybe Jones isn't their guy. Maybe they're uh, – Maybe Robertson would be someone, but I, I, I just don't know if, if he gets Kapari.
0: By the way, uh, first, Poppy, thank you very much uh, for the compliment. And yes, we can put aside our, our biases. We still have them, and we, we're still not afraid to talk a little smack. So it's <laughs> yeah, exactly. One thing I like about uh, the trio that I got right here.
1: Yes, and, and Steve's right. I mean, Clark is a right-side defenseman. Um, they do need depth on the left side. That's where L.A. meets, but that's personally just me. I don't know if L.A. would take Robertson for Kapari. Uh, but um, welcome back, Rich. Uh, good to have you back. Mm-hmm. Um and Kapari and Kako, yeah, they do go they do go back. I, I mean I would love to get my hands on on Rasmus Kapari. And it, it, not only that, but I mean he's flexible enough to believe where he could probably play the wing at the NHL level. But I mean, he's a he's a center with some size and some good speed and, and talent. So I, I just don't know what LA would actually give him up for, maybe aside from Eichel, you know.
0: Um What's going on with Alex turcott what's the latest on him
1: I don't think he's going anywhere I I, I, I doubt they would move him because I, I mean now with DeNo, who I, I I can't believe I called him Matthew before I don't, I don't know why I did that but. no
0: that's what but I corrected it right away no I, I
2: heard
1: you I, I, heard I don't
2: you. think turcotts I don't think turcott's going anywhere yeah, yeah i, I don't think so either no but... i just i was just trying to talk i i didn't realize i was on mute because I, I was trying to talk i'm like why is no one hearing me and i look down i'm like oh i'm on mute Some, <laughs> i muted
0: myself somehow
2: i don't know why or when i did that but did what you i was, to
0: do some uh, fatherly duties
2: what i no i don't think so what I, what, I was, what I was trying to say for like five minutes was like speaking of young guys being that like a lot of the top guys from um this year's draft to going back to school. Um, you could probably hand the Calder trophy to, to Cole Caulfield at this point for next season. Because you look at the rookie class, uh, he's definitely the top of it. I mean, Spencer Knight, Quentin Byfield, maybe.
1: Yeah, I was about to say, you never know what happens with Byfield or, or Knight, you know, but I mean.
0: Stocks-off is out of there, right?
1: No, he's still eligible.
0: He's still eligible? All
1: right. Yeah, he's still eligible. But um,
0: if he ends up on the wing with Panarin and Strom.
1: Zegers would actually be
0: yeah,
1: challenge. Z- yeah, Zegers, Zegers is definitely, a ca- Zegers is definitely a candidate for sure. Yeah, I, I mean another one that I I would say the only thing with um with Knight is if Bobrovsky falters, then um then you could you could say that you know Knight could take over the starting job at that point. That would maybe start the downside of of Bobrovsky's career. But I, I don't know if that happens, so it might be tough for Knight as a backup goaltender.
2: Yeah, I think more Oh Moritz Moritz Sider is another uh, Calder candidate.
1: Yeah, I, I think he'll I think he's coming over this year. I just don't know if he's going to have enough around him to really help him shine like that in Detroit. And another
2: interesting one I'm looking at is uh this Shane Pinto, that Shane Pinto could be a Calder
1: candidate. Maybe, maybe. I mean, it, it, if he gets top six time, I mean, but they have, I believe they have, uh, Bath, it was Batherson and um, Norris. Josh Norris, yeah, yeah.
0: There's always like a guy that comes off the radar, like uh, Scott and Delkovich did, like just Alex. I, I, I all right, yeah. <laughs> Sk- we're <Worried>. in. <laughs> Yeah, but you could blame it on at least being sick. I blame it on the fact that I think Scott should be his name. So,
2: <laughs> Alexander yeah. don't, uh, don't make Cole, Cole Alex Perfetti.
0: It sounds stupid compared to Scott.
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs>
2: Cole Perfetti, Winnipeg. He's another one.
1: Yeah, does he play with them this season?
2: Yeah,
0: I like him. I, I mean, um, that, I like that's him. a
1: key question. Does he play with them this season? Yeah.
0: By the way, as I always like to bring up, because I love this statement, as since Stevens in the chat, uh, Min- the Minnesota Wild are the side salad of the NHL. <laughs> well, the,
2: the wild, the wild, got some, uh, the Wild got some good news because I saw some clips on Twitter. Like Mar- Marco Rossi is like revved up, like he's at full speed. He's like playing. I, I think he's, sure. he's 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 recovered from. Yeah, and I think he's good to go, and that's that's huge for Minnesota because I think. Marco Rossi is going to be a hell of
1: a hockey player at the NHL level. Yeah, I, th- I think he could be a good player too. Um, Anton Lundell is a good one, Steven. I just don't know if he gets the minutes. I mean, he, right. I, I, he's ready. I, I just don't know if he gets the minutes behind uh,
0: Bennett and uh, Barkoff.
1: Yeah, so, um, but I I think Lucas Raymond will probably yeah. get six minutes because Detroit really doesn't have a lot of – Depth on the wings, you know. Yeah. Oh. Alex,
2: Alex Newhook, he's another guy. Alex um, yeah, is, yeah, he played some time uh, in Colorado
1: too, so maybe he, uh, maybe he steps up a bit. And then Phil,
2: uh, another guy they listing is Phil Tomasino, Tomasino in Nashville. In Nashville. Yeah, he's he's uh, Nashville needs, they need some more talent, like offensively, because they're, you know, Duchesne and, and Johansson were duds last year. Arvidsson's gone. Philip Forsberg can't, you know. Jan Kroak was a serviceable guy. He's gone, too. Like, so, Philip Forsberg can't do it all. And him and, you know, Tol they can't do it all
1: themselves. Nah, uh, Tall has got to take the next step. He's he he yeah. showing you more. And Tomasino, like, developing and making some strides would really go a long way for Nashville this year, especially in that division because that division has yeah. been tough. Um, um, here's a good
0: yeah. By the way, are you guys cocky court collectors? That's I
1: used to weird. be, yeah.
2: Yeah, um, me too.
0: And I, I do it occasionally. I did it for Alexei Lafreniere when uh, they first drafted him.
2: I, uh, I have but, so many cards in my basement, and, like, it's crazy.
0: I mean, I, oh. I just got a frame for my jersey, so I have to try to hang it up here. Mm-hmm. But I also didn't want to take down the Hillian Shield because I'm such a nerd. Hylian. Um, so, um, see, exactly. Uh, <laughs> but I guess I'm not that nerdy. Cam, yeah. York. Cam York. Does he, do you think he makes Philadelphia? Um, I don't know. Not this gonna... year with their
1: defense. Yeah, they a couple of guys.
0: Is he ready? To yeah. get
2: Provorov, Sanheim, Ellis, Ristolainen. Um, so that right, it, and it doesn't really make sense for him to play in a five-six role. I'll um, tell you what. If he makes it,
0: that's really bad news for Sam Moran. Yeah. I
1: I, well, I, I I don't, I don't I think anything good. really of Sam Moran so
0: I mean because they already lost Goss to spare. I mean remember when Philadelphia had that like fabled defense corps sort of like the Rangers did in the early uh, early 2010s when it was Sauer and delzado and uh, hell Pablo Valltanko was supposed to be somebody.
1: And Valentinco, oh my god! I know,
0: yeah. They, they were like, "Oh yeah, look how strong that kid is." Okay, I think. Well, oh,
1: Val- Valentinco wasn't there at the same time as McDonough. He was in the trade for McDonough. Yeah, he
0: was. Yeah, no, he was. I think he was there at the same time on the roster. Steven will fix uh, fix it on me. But um, the uh, but again, he never. I don't think he ever played a game with the Rangers. So no, but that's what happens. You you end up looking one way, and then the better player just works harder and gets in. So
1: Yeah, there's a lot of guys that just come out of nowhere and they just end up making an impact, you know? It, it
0: Anton just... Strowman. Anton Strowman's another one. Yes, yeah, rich. By the way, Sauer was a beast, and it's sad because his career ended with a concussion. His brother, Kurt's career, ended with a concussion. And they had another brother who played in the NFL. Guess how his career
1: ended? So mm. I mean yeah I would say Michael was better than Kurt too. Kurt was really like a a, a five, maybe a six defenseman. But uh, yeah, Gandalf they added Yandel. We forgot about Gandalf
0: you forgot about you and, and Braun. That's the one I forgot, Bobby Braun. So he just called Bobby Braun. Bobby yeah.
4: Braun? Sorry. <laughs>
0: Justin Sorry, Braun. Justin yeah. Braun. I am screwing up names all left and right. It's not the it's not the Scott and the Delkovich thing, which I still think he should be called Scott instead of Alex. <laughs> Go change your name, Alex. Just do that right now. Sounds uh, better. Than... No,
2: <laughs> the, the Flyers are t- to me are a team that can throw a little bit of a monkey wrench in the in the Metro because, like, you know, they were they were good the year of the shutdown, and then they sucked this past season. You know that they they could. They could definitely pose a little bit of a, a little bit of a challenge to for a wild card spot in the Here's division. the
0: only problem I have with that. Yandel's
1: not good defensively in his own zone. Justin Braun is highly overpaid, and he, he's he's not the defender he was years back. Rista,
0: Moran is a good skater. M- Moran is
1: yeah. Moran's eh.
2: He's he's more like a goon. But... Pro Provorov is one of their better defensemen.
1: Yeah, Provorov, if he has a good partner. I actually said this on Twitter the other day. He, I mean, I think he could have a big year if he has a good partner. And I'm, I like Sanheim too. I think Sanheim still has. Yeah. yeah. Sa- Sanheim to me is a top four defenseman right now yeah. on the team. Uh, I, I think that he's probably a th- number three, maybe number two um, going forward. But um, I, I just, there's too many, too many puck movers that aren't really good in their own zone. Uh, and if Carter Hart doesn't, turn his game around, then you're, you're, you're still looking at them having tons of pucks in the back of their net.
0: But, um, because we're getting a lot of Michael sour talk, but, uh, I'm going to go back. I'm going to get back to that one second. First, uh, Johnny red asked, would you have taken Byfield over Lafrenia?
1: Yeah, I was going to answer that. And that's a no.
0: Yeah. It's the surefire number one. You have to, you have to go with that. Going back to um to this, uh, Hank could add one cup if Sour was playing. Uh, Pucks out hitting the post or going in. Uh, uh, Nash or Kreider. Yeah, also, by the way, again, Tim Peel calling the goalie interference is still huge. And the other one also for the Michael Sauer thing. If Michael Sauer doesn't get injured, does that mean Anton Strawman is more of a presence for the next two years? If Michael Delzado doesn't regress, does that mean Kevin Klein is in New York Ranger? Don't forget that. There were some moves with that too. So Delzado, you mean?
1: Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I was wondering, I was like, what did Sour have to do with it? Well, but, no, uh, they're
0: just like, if Sour is playing, but also there's a domino effect. That
1: oh, happens. okay. I see what you're saying. Never mind. That's what I'm saying.
0: Um, uh, but um, Hank maybe. is definitely getting a job with the Rangers. Just
1: he'll figure out what it is.
2: Yeah, I don't think right away. I think nah.
1: some time. Yeah, I could see that with time. Not right away, but definitely with time. Uh,
0: I'll be right back, boys. i am just run out of the weather.
1: Sheriff sure, Panop, yeah. His death really hurt. I always go back to the day that I was working at T D Bank and you texted me, and I thought you were playing a joke on me, and it ended up not being the case. And I couldn't even believe that. I had the jersey with me. Just because I'd gotten the jersey like the day before and wanted to bring to the game. I think I was going with Peter Jetter, actually. That was a-
2: <laughs> Peter Jetter.
1: Yeah. But um When Wendy was that what month was that day? Was that September? That was October of twenty No, uh, oh, 2000- yeah, oh, two thousand eight, sorry. So I don't know why I said twenty eighteen, but two thousand eight. Um yeah, Jessamyn... I don't think Jasmine's injury was really the big problem with him. I just think that they they took they took a swing on a player that they couldn't afford to take a swing on. Um, back then, the ECAC was the worst college uh, conference in the league. I, I followed college hockey like extensively back then. Extensively, I was watching a ton of college hockey, doing a ton of research. Um, the ECAC was by far like one of the worst conferences in all of the NCAA back then. Sanguinetti over Drew was bad. That was horrible. And McIlrath <laughs> either Fowler or anyone else in that first round it was just terrible too.
2: Yeah, so that McElrath pick was was pretty was
1: pretty bad. It's a panic pick. It was just they got bullied around by the Flyers for the second time in fifteen years, and they made another snap decision. They made the snap decision fifteen years prior to deal Zubov and Nedved. Because Messier said that those two were too soft to play against teams like Flyers. Yeah. Uh,
0: I missed about Paul Karien and, and the Maine Black Bears.
1: Yeah, I don't. I don't know what that is. I don't know why he said Paul Korea. You'd have to uh, elaborate on that. Maybe Hobie Baker
0: Trophy winners, or
1: uh, I don't know. I didn't even see Hobie Baker Trophy winners in uh, in, in the comment section anywhere.
0: Who's your top 10 D-man that wins the most battles?
1: The, uh, who's, He's like, talking about the best top best? 10 stay-at-home defenders?
0: Yeah, that's what it's got to be. And I would have to say, Anthony, go ahead, say it.
1: <laughs> Adam Pellick? Yeah. Uh, Pellick is probably either number one or number two for me. I, I think I might have Jacob Slavin over him. And it's, it's very close. Jacob Slavin is just... He's an incredible shutdown defender. He really is. And he gives you more points than Adam Pellick. And that's that's the other thing. I know it has, doesn't have anything to do with points, but he's better at moving the puck out of his zone. He's not like he's not going to skate it out and, and, and take it all the way up the ice, but he's good at moving the puck well enough to get it to that next defender and then going from there. So I, I would say Slavin by a very small margin over Pellick. I
0: would probably go – he, 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 you can't make a bad choice, Slavin. No. Don't be my answer. Not not because I'm a Ranger fan. I don't want to say Pelic. It's just because I just – I've watched Slavin. He's really – I've
1: said Slavin was the best shutdown defender in the NHL for probably, I would say, about three years now. I, um,
0: I, I put up this comment yeah. from Joe because it's kind of funny. Um, it's sort of like there's a saying in baseball, you can never have enough pitching prospects. Well, now you got um, – you can never have the not enough defensive prospects. And now the Rangers have too many for the six jobs that they got. So they're, yeah. they're really, I think I actually think I-, I think it's a sign of good scouting and 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 stuff when you trade a guy away and he flourishes elsewhere sometimes. Because I think it's a sign of bad scouting when you trade a guy away and you never hear from him again, Pavel Brendel. And yeah,
4: just
1: who and we're gonna is. be
0: talking about in this week's what if starring Mr. John Falkowski.
1: Um, that, that is a that is a good point. I, I, I like this one here from Chris T. If Pellick put up 40 points a year in Norris, uh, I mean, that's definitely more than possible. Uh, uh, Steven's right if,
0: about that. Ryan Lingren is our Adam Pellick.
1: Yeah, I agree with Steven there too. The, the thing with Pellick and Pollock is that they're always – and I, I said this on Twitter and in the same post that I was talking about Uh, is that – they're always going to take away votes from each other in the Norris voting. Cause, yeah, because they play together. They play together, and that—that's you're going to take away the be... one vote
0: they got each.
1: Yeah, and that—that that, I mean, they should have gotten more votes. Oh,
0: sorry, yeah,
2: yeah because <laughs> Pellic opened a lot of guys. Elliot Friedman said it. He's like watching Pellic in the playoffs. He's like, I regret. He's like, I regret leaving Pell off my ballot. Like Pellic opened up a lot of eyes. I think. Th- I think this coming like season, he'll get. He'll get more votes than just one.
1: Yeah, I, I think I, I think that's possible, and, it, and he's deserving. He's definitely deserving. But um, uh, I, I listen. You 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 have a great pairing. They're either the number one or number two pairing in the league. I I prefer Fox and Lindgren just because they give you more offense. But in terms of defensive shutdown play, they're the best. They're the best pairing defensively. I would say by a small margin over Fox and Lindgren. But they, those two are always going to take away votes from each other, and that's just how it is when you're you're playing on a, on a pairing. So in order for one of those two to really get the votes, one would really have to carry the other during a season. It's just what it's yeah. going to come down to. Mm-hmm.
0: That's why, why I think we waiting we're... for Adam uh, – yeah. sorry, Adam Pollock uh, – sorry, Ryan Pollock to break out. Anthony, you, your thoughts?
2: That, that's what I was just gonna say. Right. If anyone was gonna pull away, it's because Adam Adam Ryan Pollock is, is better offensively than Pellick. He's got he's got the harder, he's got the much harder well, he's got the harder shot, and he's just more instinctive offensively. So you know, more more talking about a guy who in the past, it wasn't that long ago, he had he had 10 goals. So I I think I think if he if he really if he really tries to maybe put some more focus back in his offensive game, because I know he's done a lot of work to to become the defensive player that he is. I um, think he has more of a chance because again, he does have that shot and he has and he scored double digits in goals before. So it's real it all depends. It's situational. You know, we'll, we'll see what, how he plays this season, but last, like for instance, last season, I don't think we'll see as low as a point point total again, as we did this season. Like, I think, I think he'll definitely score put up more points this season than he did last season. It's just a matter of how much more, you know, it wasn't that long ago we were expecting him to become that 40 point defenseman. Cause he, it looked like he was trending that way. And then, you know, that kind of went away a little bit. So we'll have to see what it bring, but he's, he's more than capable of bringing the heat from the point for sure.
0: Oh God. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Um, I mean that that's the big thing he's got a tremendous shot I mean, he's not like he's a good skater. Is he an incredible skater? No. But is he a, an incredible puck mover? No. But he's more than good enough to get involved in the play and help offensively. Like, if he could take that step to a 40 point defender, he'll start getting serious votes. But then, if you look at it the other way, if Adam Pellick was scoring 30 points a year, mm-hmm. he gets more votes. Because the, the, the problem is, and, and I said this about his contract. You know, it's a blessing in disguise because he's a 20 point defender. That's an elite shutdown defender, but 20 points isn't going to get you Norris votes and it isn't going to get you a high AV in your contract. So if he takes that next step to 30, maybe he has anywhere between five to 10 goals. You're, you're, you're looking at a guy that's probably going to get a lot more Norris consideration.
0: By the way, uh, just to mention for Steven, what says you're definitely a European reporter is that he actually puts the the emphasis over the U? Yeah, sorry, the, the O. I mean,
1: yeah, Stephen Stephen uh, Stephen had a had a fun little interaction with uh, someone on Twitter about using the Umblot over the U in Tim Stutzler's name. So that was a um, that was an interesting one. I was a fly on the wall in that in that thread. But, uh, I do have uh, to
0: make more graphics that say smash that like button. I hate the term smash that like button, but you know what? It's
1: <laughs> I don't I wanna
0: I don't want us to be like every other
1: YouTuber to be like smash that like
0: button, buddy. But don't yeah. Smash it. it's, That's all I need to do, just press it.
1: Yeah, <laughs> I mean we wanna grow the channel. I'm sorry I'm a little groggy today, everybody. But um with good reason. Yep, yeah, you're a yeah reader. part part of it's my own doing. I shouldn't I shouldn't have went to the gym last night. I that that mistake I won't make on the second dose. But um,
0: that being said, you're up to almost uh, four hours. At, at that yeah,
1: point. I mean, I, I try to hang in there. You know, it just. <laughs> but um, yeah, I mean, we love doing what we do here. I, I know we say it time and time again. I know it sounds like overused and cliche at this point, but we love doing this. This is really like the be- like one of the very best parts of our week. We get to talk hockey and we get to. We had to BS with you guys for what four hours, sometimes five for really, like, I'm surprised Anthony's still with us. I think this is the latest I think you've been on with us. Yeah, maybe I don't know. I know, <laughs> well, I, mean, I think
0: it is. Yeah. Enjoy these moments after all. Remember a couple weeks ago when he had to go out, out east on Long Island to, um, to I think it was for a dentist appointment. Yeah, and then and I ended up trying to log back on in, and your phone yeah. was in your crotch.
1: Oh god, yeah, that was that was bad. the The reception on that was just awful. You kept hitting dead spot after dead spot after dead spot. It was just like, okay, I will actually be right back. Yeah.
0: See, yeah, all right, I I'll have to look into what that statement is, Ziga, but um, and and yeah, because uh, we're still building up this this media company and everything that's going in there. And we got a lot, a lot, a long way to go. And again, hands off to the two guys who, uh, that I'm working with on this, although now they both abandoned me. So, (laughs) um, it's, uh, hi, I'm back. All right. But, uh, yeah, it's, um,
2: yeah, it's, it's, I can't wait for the, the season to start we could do some more content with with you know talking about actual games um you know but i'm 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 excited for the next couple weeks like i said september's around the corner you know some more some more things are gonna are gonna come down the pipeline um big lou uh so (laughs) you know more moves are coming give us some more stuff to talk about you know like i said ptos those remaining free agents ending up in places maybe some surprise trades um, and don't forget, uh, in 2014, Gar Snow traded for Nick Letty and Johnny Boychuk in the same day, the day before the season started. So, you know, because once team, once the season starts and teams have to be cap compliant, sometimes they have to make some moves to get there. And some guys fall through the cracks. So you could see some trades like that. Is Traverse City next week? I didn't know. Are they doing it this year? I didn't. I didn't. Wasn't sure if they were doing it.
0: Always, or it might just be that they're flying. They're flying in next week.
2: But that's what he means. Yeah, not just. Pro- yeah, a lot of yeah. a lot of players start to come back to their their home their home cities like in September. Um, so, well, not necessarily because September training camp's the twenty. Training camp's the twenty second. So that that's still some sort of time away from the seventh. But yeah, you're yeah. A lot of – a lot of guys start coming back into town in the beginning of September, and they they start informal informal skating before camp um, with themselves. I already see, like, some pictures of the Coyotes players on Instagram because the Coyotes made some posts. Like, guys are already, like, on the ice skating with each other. So um, a lot more of that's going to start to happen. And- yeah.
1: Yeah, I mean, definitely. You're looking at the time where, you know, like, guys start to come over. Beginning of September, they just try to get acclimated. Um, but especially if you,
2: especially if you're new, if like you're on a new team, you want to settle yeah. in a new apartment or house or, or whatever. Yeah. If, and especially if you have kids, you want to get your kids like in the, you know, in the, the school year. Um, like honestly, that goes back like the um, the Paris a joke. Like Long Island, Long Island schools start like my door goes back to school September first. So you know he has young kids. If he wants his kids, in, you know, in school, you think he'd be here in the next, you know, in the next week. Mm. So.
0: Here's a good one. Uh, do you think the Rangers re-sign Meekins me this season?
2: Oh, that's gonna
0: be tough. I think uh... the Rangers
2: are. I think the Rangers are gonna wait and see what happens with Barkov. Personally, I think I think that's that's something they want to see how it plays out before they invest a lot of money in a player. Or re-signs Benajad. because if if Barkov becomes available, you're gonna have you're gonna have a lot of teams lining up for him.
1: Yeah, that's gonna be a massive bidding war. He's probably gonna get eleven.